Anyway, uh, with that said, we'll get on with the show. Well, let me tell you something, brother. Are you ready? Are you ready for the Low Bros Network? Every Wednesday on the Low Blows Network, the Low Blows team are at hand to break down, analyze, and make fun of all things pro wrestling. Hosted by former pro wrestler Rick Nash. I think the only reasonable thing we can do now is turn John Cena heel. Selfie with me, fucking dog. Banned from Nigeria. <laughs> I will be talking to the government tomorrow. <laughs> YouTube star Corporate King. This elephant has four legs. Joe else has four legs. Joseph Stalin, if he had two more legs. Bone saw rips off his shirt, yeah? And it says, Chuck your law. Big dirty toy player. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> the queen of Irish West, Katie Harvey. I want one to sign. Just CM I'm Punk. I'm so or... embarrassed. CM Punk. <laughs> <laughs> it's low blows. Bravo! We're going to start with football again this week, but because I don't quite have the brain space to reduce Ireland's tumultuous and frankly at times traumatic week into just one question, let's instead go to Brazil where health officials invaded the country's hotly anticipated World Cup qualifier against Argentina to deport four of Argentina's players who travelled from England and didn't follow proper quarantine restrictions. They went onto the pitch to to deport them. And that was despite the fact that this was known and left unsaid for up to three days beforehand. So, as we get kicked off here, on another edition in our low blows, Rick Dash, Katie Harvey and Corporate Keen in the house as always. Guys, I want to talk about wrestling promotions who shit themselves for the entire world to see. Keen, we'll start with you. Um... I think they they may have um, improved this year or, you know, in recent times. But I remember at one point, like, Triple A's tradition in the wrestling world was to obviously build up Triple Mania. And, and in fairness, Triple Mania has the reputation as being, like, the biggest wrestling event in Mexico. It's something that, like, people who don't usually watch Mexican wrestling will usually dip their toes in it for that night. And it usually finds its way out to my timeline and stuff like that. But I, always, I just associate Triple Mania with, like, fuck-ups. I don't even remember them that well. But, I, like... Was the triple was triple mania the one where fucking um Vampiro turned around and was like, play my fucking music, play my yes. fucking music, <laughs> and that's like yeah. it's just like <laughs> urging the energy from he needs the energy from the fans. That's why he needs his music, and then it's like play my fucking goddamn music. <laughs> I, I triple mania. I just I don't know. I always feel like. Like in like you know, I'm th- I'm talking like mid 2010s. I feel as when I would have, I definitely stayed up to watch it once, and it was it it has its kind of good and bad, but it's usually a bit of a letdown, or at least it used to be, and that's kind of what I associate with this question. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing stuff, uh, Katie Harvey, wrestling with most of you shit themselves for the entire world to see. Was Renton you were even a part of Renton like that? I wasn't a part of this, but I think it's been a while since we've talked about five star wrestling. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just had to look up their Wikipedia page because I was like, was it as brief as I remember? And yes, yes, it was as brief as I remember. Um, their first event in September 2015 was to promote a video game. I didn't know this all came from a video game. 
five star wrestling the entire you promotion. The no. Oh, it's hilarious because the roster is like Andy Oregon and like you know, we all like unlicensed names that I had to change it for like, yeah. like yeah, Kirk it says, Angle. It, yeah, it says here they had a, a parody version of wrestlers such as Harvey D. <laughs> but uh, the thing I loved about it is, do you remember they announced the the tournament? The 128-man tournament yeah. that was going to be yes. contested over like a year, and they offered CM Punk a million pound to uh, to yes. come back to wrestling and jump into the tournament. So I think it's fairly timely to mention this. They had TV deals and everything, didn't they? And they had like yeah. half full, half half full is probably generous saying half full arenas and stuff. But um, I just remember, I just remember like this big money promotion being launched and and just like. I don't always say disintegrating before our eyes because I'm not sure it was ever a whole thing to begin with. <laughs> it never integrated, so it couldn't disintegrate. <laughs> this, but this promotion has a place in Irish wrestling history. This had a Belfast show. You know what I mean? Yeah, it did. I was yeah. looking at the, the champions and stuff here, like, and it's it's actually gas. Like they had a Taffer Snap Championship. Um <laughs> They had a and like they had people like John Morrison and Jake Hagar and stuff on it. Rey Mysterio, and then like, I think, was on it. Yeah, I, I think they had Rey Mysterio versus Adam Max did at one point. Like, <laughs> of course, of course, it's a natural dream match. They just blew their budget. They're like, there we go, Rey Mysterio. It's like, okay, but he, who does he face? Like, uh, Adam Max. Adam, Adam <laughs> right. do you want to? <laughs> I like. I could be imagined that they could have just been on the same show, and I've amalgamated that dream match into my head. But like I do remember that it was this it was this mix of like kind of really like fresh people because he would have just been finished Love Island at the time. Mm. And then like these like massive, massive wrestling stars. And like usually that's my favorite kind of show, you know, when 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 those two groups of people have to integrate. Um I do remember watching it on their TV show, their brief TV show they had. But uh yeah, so five star wrestling. Um that's my amazing, <laughs> amazing stuff i love it uh guys busy show this week Um, uh, we ha- we're here to discuss maybe the most iconic show of the year in aw all out uh apparently some other wrestling happened too so i guess we'll hit on that but mainly we're going to be talking about all out it's uh it's uh, it was pretty much a one show week uh but before we do begin I do want to send our condolences to family and friends of uh, Shannon Sprill, aka Daphne Unger, who passed away last week. Uh, well, there is a lot of information circulating online right now. I actually don't want to focus on the cause of death or the scandal around it. And I st- instead, want to take this time to look at their life and contributions. So she debuted in WCW in 1999, aligning with Crowbar and David Flair, uh, and went on to have a run as the second WC- uh, female WCW Cruiserweight champion. Uh, she's someone that, as you can see by the tribute support in when the new broke last week influencer was admired by several generations of women's wrestling like when you look at the people she was associated with over the years and the people that she uh, got in the ring with she was uh, she wrestled Miss Elizabeth at one stage in her very first match she wrestled with the most iconic women in all of wrestling history she was a roommate of Mickey James she worked with the likes of Alison Danger and Leva Bates she was a mentor to crucial groundbreakers of today's style that get forgotten like the likes of Portia Perez who like influenced so much of what we see today. Uh, she also signed for TNA in 2008, perhaps most notably being involved in the feud with Abyss and Mick Foley before retiring in 2011. She kept involved and connected with wrestling, though working as a manager and making appearances for the likes of Ring of Honor. 
I think now as well, what's important to kind of focus on is that one of her final wishes was to have her brain donated to be studied for symptoms of CTE. So it's important that I think that's our big takeaway from this, because I know people, especially regarding the circumstances around their deaths, they're kind of, you know, um, with the best will in the world, obviously they're, they're, they're kind of, you know, let, let make sure you talk to people and this and that, but specifically she mentioned CTE and brought that up. So I think it's important that uh, we acknowledge that we know so much about concussion safety now, but do we still allow for scenarios where that's not prioritized? The tragic circumstances here for me underline the devastating real life effects that CTE can have on people. So I think the best way we can respect Daphne's wishes is by always keeping that a part of the conversation until finally science has an answer for this devastating disease. Um, obviously heartbreaking, tragic stuff. Corbrigan, I don't know if kind of, was Daphne before your time or did you get to catch some of her in, in TNA or, or yeah, what I watched, um, I watched Daphne in TNA and I actually, I did go back and watch a, a bit of Daphne in WCW a, a few years ago. Um, she, she was somebody who could make, you know, a very big impression in a very short period of time. And obviously that's, that's seen now on social media, you know, all the tributes pouring in the impression she left on everybody inside and outside the ring. I really don't have much else to say other than just to give yeah. my condolences to everyone. And it's, it's a really, really sad situation. Katie Harvey, obviously, look, this is, this is touching on a lot of things. So I imagine this must've hit hard last week. Uh, WCW, obviously, um, but also like a pioneer in women's wrestling. So um, I, I imagine this hit hard and, and kind of Daphne would have been someone that would have been present in, in your, in your purview uh, throughout times in your life. Oh, yeah. Like, I remember Daphne debut and like Daphne, I was 10 when she debuted on WCW. And like, she was just so different to anything that WCW in particular had at the time, because mm -hmm. they very much like had a lot of their Tory Wilsons, their Miss Hancocks, you know, like, she was just completely different. Like me and my friends were obsessed with her. We thought she was the coolest. And we were in our natural born uh, killers phase as well. You know, and like that was a really dangerous movie to watch when you were like 10, 11, 12. Um, and you used to watch it in secret when your parents were out. Like her character was based on Mallory Knox from Natural Born Killers. So mm. like it was just we just thought she was the coolest. We used to wear like our hair and pigtails and we'd wear like red sneakers and like black string tops. Um, oh, we were full Daphne Marks. Like and, and like I, I watched her when she went to TNA and stuff as well. Like, but it's just I, I'm really I'm really happy and it warms my heart to see the tributes this week and um, just to see how, like how fondly she was still remembered by so many people, you know, um, and to see the impact that she had because like WCW didn't have a women's division. They had random women's matches, um, but they didn't have a women's division. So that's why I'm so happy that like she is still seen as a pioneer for, for what she did in WCW and beyond that, like she really was just, one of a kind like there was just nobody like her um, and obviously I was devastated to hear what happened but again I'm, I'm so happy to see her being remembered the way she's being remembered this week yeah it is it, and, and that that doesn't always happen with wrestling a lot of times tributes come in and, and people run through them but this is this was real this 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 she meant a lot legitimately to a lot of people so uh, you know I, I think kind of our day will come at one stage for all of us but like I think Hopefully, we could only wish to be remembered as fondly as she was. So, uh, rest in peace, Daphne. Thank you for the memories. And uh, again, all of our thoughts with family and friends right now. Anyway, look, guys, we're going to get on to the, the, the kind of less devastating news stories of the week. Um, because, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for Queen versus King.
versus Keen because my two co-hosts are good friends. They're even better enemies. So what we do every week is discuss the wrestling news of the week and we pick the top five stories. We put 30 seconds on the clock and we award points for punditry. Uh, we've been keeping score as the year as the year has gone on. And Katie, it's getting into crisis time. You're down 16-13 in the yearly contest. Like, what's going on, Katie? You've got to be panicking at this stage. Well, look, remember I said I was going to have to start prepping these? Yeah. I'm going to do that next week because, again, I uh, forgot to prep these questions. <laughs> okay, well, look, who knows? It, it, it worked for you a while back. Maybe you can rediscover the magic. Who knows? We're going to discuss the top five stories now anyway, uh, starting with Brian Danielson. Uh, explained his decision to join AEW came from a desire to push his physical limits as, despite having a good relationship with Vince McMahon, he described Vince as overprotective of him. But considering he had to retire once already, uh, does this make you excited or does it make you more nervous about Daniel Bryan's impending AEW role, Katie? Oh, shit. Hakeem was first. Um, <laughs> no, I'm not nervous at all because you know what? People should be allowed to make their own decisions about their health. And um, People know when they're ready to come back from injuries. If I had listened to people, I wouldn't have come back when I did and then a pandemic wouldn't have hit and I wouldn't have got to wrestle at all in the last two, two and a half years. So like, you just, you know when you're fit and people should just let Daniel Bryan make his own decisions. He is a big boy. Okay, fair enough. Corporate Keen, your thoughts? Um, I agree, but my point is better because not only do I agree that Daniel Bryan is a big boy, uh, I, I also <laughs> believe that like this whole idea of like, oh, it's going to be more physical in AEW and stuff. Man, WWE, where did he get injured in WWE? In Dublin on a house show because he's out here doing fucking house shows every single week. In AEW, the schedule is a lot lighter and I think it allows for more physical kind of matches sort of because there's less of them. That's just how I see it. So I'm, I'm delighted. I'm excited. I can't wait to see Brian do what he wants to do. And, you know, again, he's a grown man. He can take his own risks. Okay, really, really good, uh, really good explanations, uh, especially like considering both are based around Daniel Bryan being a big boy. Um, (laughs) Katie slightly got me more because there was the personal feeling to it as well, a bit more inspirational, though. Again, Keen brought up some good points. So, 1 0 to Katie uh, to get us on their way. Question two Vince McMahon and Bruce Bridges will be in charge of producing the new look multicolor remix of NXT. What I want you guys to do, though, is make one prediction as to what this will all look like in practice Keen Samoa Joe versus Ridge Holland championship contenders match Saudi Arabia Samoa (laughs) Joe comes out he's got a big fuck off mask on and shoulder straps and he turns around (laughs) grabs the mic and he says I am not Samoa Joe I'm Joey Samoe and tonight I'm gonna (laughs) Joey Samoe Ridge Holland into the ground and he goes in takes on Ridge (laughs) Holland and beats him with the help of a voodoo doll of his and Kevin Dunn does about 50 billion camera cuts in the match (laughs) <laughs> you say that like that's like that seems like a ridiculous thing but they've done worse uh katie your own thoughts that's not a prediction because voodoo is already way too prevalent in wwe as we have discussed over the weeks i think they're going to go another way and it's going to be through production that's going to be new and i think they're going to put a lovely sepia filter over everything and what they're going to do is they're just going to play with the contrast and the filters and um, just so it looks new and it looks exciting but it will actually be the same show that we watch every week <laughs> really strong arguments. I, I like to see me a filter. Um, that would be a hilarious remix. Like we put so much thought into this, guys. Uh, but Joey Samoa, Joey Samoe, uh, not only gets the point, it'll probably be the episode title. So well played, Corporate <laughs> Kid. We're leveled up at one apiece. Question three: Braun Strowman announced that his first post WWE match under his real name, Adam Sher, will be on EC3's Free the Narrative web series, which is more like cinematic matches and the likes. Uh, but will you be going out? 
your way to watch this, Katie. Yes, I absolutely will. Not only do I love Braun Strowman, I'm fucking sick of CM Punk already. All right. I'm ready for the next new big thing in wrestling. I'm ready for the next exciting signing and the next exciting moment in wrestling. And that will be Braun Strowman or Adam Scher or whatever he wants to call himself debuting on this and making Free the Narrative the must-see show for wrestling this month. I like how you're re- you're repurposing old strategies that you ended up losing the week for with the taxi and punk thing. So brave strategy. Let's see how it pays off. Corporate King. No, I'm never gonna watch this. Okay, you know, oh, like there's there's so much wrestling on. There's WWE. There's AEW. The list goes on and on and on. Right? Like for me, I like. I, I, I choked so bad. I don't even, I don't even know what I'm going to say. My answer, my answer was yes, but I didn't want to copy Katie. So I was like, I'm going to go so far another way. But I was like, then, then Rick's like, oh, that's a cinematic show. And I'm like, oh, that actually sounds kind of cool. <laughs> I, I concede my points. Yeah, well, no, there you go, Katie. I didn't think that was going to work, but hey, it did. So uh, you're getting in corporate kids' head. This could be the start of a comeback. Uh, question four, the Miz being pulled from his advertised uh, Raw match against John Morrison last week was reportedly due to him being due to star in this season's Dancing with the Stars. What other wrestler would you like to see on this and what dance would be their specialty, Corporate King? Uh, I want to see Reginald on it. I think Reginald is made for this sort of show. Um, in fact, that's essentially what he does in WWE. <laughs> it actually he's more like a Dancing of the Stars act on WWE, more so than a WWE act on Dancing of the Stars, if it was to happen. Um, I think he'd be at home. He'd be a natural. Um, his, his signature dance, um, the, the, the dude drop. <laughs> 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 Katie for the win it's an open goal <laughs> right so obviously Omas is the correct answer here right because what you need on a dancing show is a strong base because dancing is like wrestling you need a good base to be able to do all the, the flippy floppy moves and his dance would be the Paso Doble and if you haven't seen Dancing with the Stars I love Dancing with the Stars. The Passe Doble is all about like passion and energy and like connection. And, you know, that's what Almas is famous for in his wrestling matches. So it's a mm. perfect fit. Katie, okay, okay, your Passe Doble has taken you to a weekly win. Congratulations. The comeback is on. Uh, well done. But we do have a fifth question that I do want to hear your thoughts on. So question five, Netflix and WWE announced they would launch an interactive horror movie called Escape the Undertaker, where the audience tries to help the New Day escape the Undertaker's haunted mansion. But what's your top tip for the New Day to escape from the Undertaker, Katie? I love this concept so much, by the way. Um, as we've talked about before, The Undertaker is genuinely terrified of cucumbers. So what the new <laughs> they need to do is they need to just find a stockpile of cucumbers and they need to use that to neutralize The Undertaker to get out of his mansion? Mansion. Yeah, why is he yes. living in a mansion? I thought he'd live in like a graveyard or something. Uh, so yeah, cucumbers is the key here. Uh, they can be used in a variety of ways. They can be used whole, sliced. They can be juiced. They can be thrown. They can be slipped on. So cucumbers are the key here for escaping The Undertaker. Okay, interesting strategy. Corporate Keen, how would Towson New Day escape The Undertaker? So distraction is key, you know what I mean? You need Undertaker's focus to be elsewhere in order for you to escape behind him or around him or whatever it may be. So they all surround him and they all turn around and say, did you know that your last ever non-cinematic wrestling match was against Eric Rowan? And then as he goes, wait, what? And he stares off into the distance, they all run away and he turns around and goes, oh yeah, Saudi Arabia. And then by the time he realizes it's true, it's like, oh shit, they're gone. 
<laughs> Amazing stuff. Corporate Keen, you get the last point. The finish is 3 2 to Katie, though. Know. Uh, so, congrats, Katie. Uh, back in the game. Anyway, moving on to the in ring stuff from the week. There's a lot of it to discuss. The good and the bad, starting with the bad, because it's done four. Say something stupid. Say something stupid. Worst moments of the week in at number five. I want to talk first and foremost about New Japan, because there's a lot of overreactions about this, but I do want to address it because they're not completely invalid. The secondary scheduled run of New Japan Wrestle Grand Slam shows took place in MetLife Stadium last weekend, and they were fine with some positives that we'll discuss that you might not be expected. But there are some key things I want to call out. More around announcements made than anything that happened in the ring. We went into this show uh, or this weekend expecting the G1 lineup to be announced, but one thing we absolutely weren't anticipating was that New Japan would extend Wrestle Kingdom even further than it already is. Two nights in the Tokyo Dome on the 4th and 5th of January have become the norm now. And to be honest, that's worked fine. If I still think they'd benefit more from just having one amazing show, everyone watched and talked about two shows, it works fine. It's not the end of the world. What I don't think even the most ardent of New Japan fans were expecting or hoping for was that to commemorate the beginning of the 50th birthday celebrations next year, New Japan would announce a third night of Wrestle Kingdom to take place on the 8th of January in Yokohama Arena. I hate all of this, to be honest, because, and I think most New Japan fans do, because the January 4th Tokyo Dome show was iconic before it even became known as Wrestle Kingdom. This has been a tradition that's gone back decades at this stage. The big day in Japanese wrestling is the January 4th show. Now, not only is it not just January 4th, it's not even all in the Tokyo Dome anymore. The fact that Night 3 takes place as well, randomly, Three days later, feels like it's going to make the entire team seem bitty and incomplete. It's literally a different show. Like, the way it's kind of panning out is night one is on Tuesday. Night two is on Wednesday. So I'm going to be reviewing two-thirds of Wrestle Kingdom on the Lobos show that week. And then, like, the next week I'm going to come back and review the final one-third of Wrestle Kingdom. Like, it's just weird. It doesn't work. And the next night, the, the big announcement was the anticipated G1 Climax 31 participants. My hope was to come on here today and sell a Katie Harvey, who's now on mat leave, uh, at, like why she should spend the time that she has before the baby comes along following all of this every day. Because this was filled with endless possibility. Now we're in the Forbidden Door era. New Japan and AEW talent were just hanging out a few weeks ago on the same US show with Tanahashi winning the main event while John Moxley put his feet up and had had a beer at ringside that also is the same Tanahashi that was in the main event the night one of these shows so now access isn't an issue COVID and travel to and from Japan from the US doesn't seem to be an issue anymore so we're good to go for an all-time SRG1 lineup right unfortunately not because what the likes of John Moxie and Brian Danielson were now in play and I want you to keep in mind with this Dan, uh, uh, Brian Danielson reportedly held up the WWE during their contract negotiations at the beginning of the year for the right to work in New Japan while working in WWE. A point, and you may remember the whole New Japan, WWE, are they going to merge or whatever? Uh, that was around Daniel Bryan. So that's how much he wants to work for them. And also as well, worth considering is John Moxley's current big feud is against Japan, the country of Japan, 
and neither of these things were announced. Nobody different than exactly the roster we've gotten used to in New Japan's COVID area era was announced. And about as close to a surprise as we got here was the Gorillas of Destiny being announced. And Keen, I know you're probably happy about this because Tamatonga is on your list, but like Tamatonga and Tangaloa are notoriously two of the all-time shit G1 entrants. Like to the point that it was once their gimmick to only have shit matches that like end in interference and annoy people to be healed. Now, here's the thing that I do want to kind of quell and, and balance it out because while it is disappointing that they did an announcement without actually anything significant to announce, a lot of people are panicking and saying that they're going to give the G1 a miss here. And I think, to be honest, if you usually watch the G1, that's an overreaction. I don't know if I necessarily turn around to Katie and say, look, you're off, spend all this time watching this because you don't want people to say, you don't want to sell someone on something when it's not like the thing at its strongest. So maybe not if, you, if you've never followed it. But if you do follow it, there's no reason to, to give this up because what you hear is, like I said, they had an announcement and that announcement ended up being exactly what we expected. It's like doing a big dramatic video package with the big revelation being at the end you are watching a professional wrestling television show we fucking know why are you getting me excited about something like this why are you like hyping it like something big was happening that's annoying and frustrating but the reality is though that the g1 isn't about surprise announcements in the same way that surprises are so integral to say a royal rumble match what we like about the G1 are the individual journeys that each wrestler goes on and how they clash and collide with each other. We like the matchups that we wouldn't normally get to see where you see tag team partners or stablemates having to face off and taking it seriously and beating the crap out of each other. We like to see uh, upsets happening a, a, a lot of the time. We like to try and figure out what's going to happen by doing the match then being proved instantly wrong in the first match of the next show. We like the big twists that they have and we like the great fucking wrestling. Those things are still intact those things are still very much on the table and possible but i can't say i wasn't disappointed in how it played out for anyone who hasn't seen the announcement so far in block a the big ones are abushi naito shingo takagi so you're gonna have an lij clash where you have naito who's the former leader. oh well he probably still is the leader of lij but shingo takagi is now the champion so you have that clash there you have abushi against both of those which is going to be bangers you've got sack saber jr in there you've got tomohiro ishii you've got kenta uh, and you've got the great okay as well in block B you've got Okada and Tanahashi they're the big ones but you also have like sneaky good uh, um, G1 uh, performers like Sonata, Taichi, Goto Jeff Cobb, uh, Evil's in there as well so they're, they're like they are grand groups and there is exciting stuff it's going to be fine but again just an announcement with nothing major to announce was just a bit disappointing especially for people who'd gotten up or in America stayed up especially for it uh, in at number four though let's talk about the good or the bad from Raw um, I was going to talk about Natalia and Tamina but to be honest like I'm not really arsed it's kind of the same conversation I've had already where it's like basically they're, they're the women's tag team champions but they've lost to Teague Knox and Shotzi Blackheart three times in three minutes, each, each of those matches being only about three minutes long. And then this week on Raw, they lost to Rhea and Nikki. And yet, because of the championship contenders matches, they're still champions, even though they've established the fact that they're not the best team in that division. You know what I mean? Um, it kind of, it just defeats the purpose of any matches they have and it just sort of kills my interest. But I wanted to mention, uh, <laughs> this is, now I have to be careful with this because, right, so it's about Jeff Hardy, right? Um, and yeah. a lot of people are in the camp of they still want to see Jeff Hardy wrestle because, you know, he's one of their favorites and all that. Now, I 
I'm in a very small minority. I actually, at this stage in his career, I don't really have a huge interest in seeing Jeff Hardy wrestle because physically, I think he's given everything he can give. And like, it's kind of similar to Matt Hardy. Like when I'm watching AEW and I see that a Matt Hardy matches next, I'm kind of like, I just, I'm not, I'm not really that interested. Yeah. But, you know what I mean? I said like Jeff Hardy was my absolute favorite growing up. I loved him. You know what I mean? Like same as everyone. Um, but that being said, right, like again, I'll try not to say this or be too hypocritical because I don't want them to like, you know, give him a big main event match or a big serious storyline. But <laughs> this was the most dis- <laughs> it's the most disrespectful thing I have seen WWE do to a legend since like Mickey James and how they booked her. You know what I mean? This was this is shocking, right? <laughs> do you know what? Have you seen this? And I, I'm struggling to think about it. I have watched like the raw highlights, but like I can't remember this part. Right. So it was Reginald or Reggie, as he's now known, against uh, Akira Tozawa for the 24 7 title, right? Very short match. Reggie wins. And then, <laughs> you know, like the way they have all the no names chasing the fucking belt around, right? They've got like Jackson oh, no. Riker. <laughs> Jackson Riker, Humberto, oh, no. and, you know, Drew Gulak, R-Truth, and in amongst that entire company. Oh, of no. See, former WWE world champion, Jeff Hardy. <laughs> like, what the fuck? And then, but you know what the really funny oh, part is? And I'll no. talk about the good of this like later on. But do you know what the big sort of, oh my God, look who it is moment of that segment was? Drake Maverick returning. And he had a big dramatic stare down to Reggie with the title, you know, where it's like, oh, you know, the king is back. And I'm like, well, Jeff Hardy was like right there. <laughs> Why are you making, like, don't get me wrong. I love Drake Maverick. And again, I'll get to the good of this like later. But like, for me, I, I don't even have an issue with Jeff Hardy going for a 24-7 title. But if you're going to do it, like make a big thing of it. You know what I mean? Jeff Hardy versus Reggie or something. You know what I mean? Like make it just about Jeff or make it between the two of them. You know what I mean? Don't, don't throw Jeff in with the main event nerds. You oh, know what I mean? No. Like as if, he's, as if he's just like another name. And I say like, I love Gulak. I love um, Humberto Carrillo. I think some of these people obviously deserve a lot more than what they get. Yeah. But as they are currently established right now, they are bottom of the food chain. You know what I mean? It's like, and I haven't, they don't have any singles WWE gold for the most part like to their name and whatever you know what i mean jeff mm. hardy man <laughs> well how is this where you where you rank him you know what i mean oh. i don't know i just thought it was a bit i was a bit insulting i mean i think he's honestly better off doing nothing than doing that you know what i mean that but I mean, like, that's where he is though he is on main event like it wrestling on main event that's that's what he does now you know what i mean consider this though as well like they like they had Jeff Hardy a few weeks ago beat Karrion Cross while he was the NXT champion. And like Karrion Cross, the same person who just before that had destroyed Finn Balor, who put it up to Roman Reigns on SmackDown just last week in the main event. Like, what the fuck is the hierarchy? Like? I, I think, no, I think the Met, I think. Reggie is the actual world champion. I think that's basically what they were trying to teach us. <laughs> but it was, they went about it in a very weird way and I kind of got a bit lost on the journey. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it off, but they left me like at the fucking apple green, you know, to take a piss. <laughs> I was kind of like, I came out, the car was gone. I was like, um, right. <laughs> it's Reginald's world. We're all just living in it. Exactly. Yeah. Like when you look at it from that side, do you know what I mean? It's like when you're like Azerbaijan drawn with Ireland, it's like, what if Azerbaijan are actually amazing at football? It's like, if you just turn things upside down, it, it changes the context. So yeah, no, that's a fair point. Uh, maybe it makes sense in that case. I, I don't think so. Though. Uh, in number three, uh, let's talk about NXT. So this is something you might need to give me context for, because I'm just, you know, I'm just getting to grips with all the various people and storylines on NXT. But mm-hmm. I want to talk about Tian Sha. So 
I've heard you talk about this on the show before, and I was led to believe it was something very cool and mysterious. You that came is, a bad time. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that is not what I saw on NXT this week. <laughs> so as far as I was to understand, Tian Sha was basically this Chinese faction that was very mysterious and had an old spirit lady as like mm. the head of it or like the scary part of it or something. Yeah. And it had like Xia Li and Boa and, and, you know, lots of stuff going on. So when I tuned into NXT and they kept talking about how Mei Ying was making her in-ring debut, um, you know, wrestling for the first ever time, I was like, oh, this must be like a massive payoff to something like, you know, I've, I've heard about this Tian Sha. I've heard I've heard like I've heard like this this storyline for months now, like surely this is going to be a big deal. And then I watched it and like it wasn't a big deal at all. It was it was the mysterious old spirit lady in a squash match against, you know, a hometown talent. And there was absolutely like no fanfare and no story. And like randomly, just a random episode of NXT where she makes her in-ring debut, which I thought was being built up to be a massive, massive deal. So like, fill me in if I'm missing something on this storyline, but this just seemed like really disappointing from everything even I'd heard from the outside. Like, I know, but, like, are you really that surprised that WWE started something that looked amazing and then, like, the next time they did something with it, it was actually terrible. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's not that new. Like, they did they did an amazing video package introducing them and telling the story. I love that. Um, but I also agree. I watched this and I was just like, that's, this is not what I signed up for. Like, <laughs> Yeah, like, it was yeah. just, like, it wasn't even a good squash match. You know what I mean? It was, like... It was just, it was just nothing. And then, like, I heard that Zia Lee is actually on SmackDown now. She might have been called up, so she's gone from the faction. And oh, it's just wow. like, like I, I don't know how true that is. Maybe they were just trying her out on SmackDown. I'm not sure, but like, oh. she, she wasn't there at ringside or anything. She wasn't involved. She wasn't mentioned during this match at all. So like, I'm just severely let down. By what I'd heard, and then what I seen on NXT this week from Tian Sha. Can I? Yeah, like it's a Zaya Lee vehicle, Tian Sha. Like that's kind of the that's the idea of it. So if she's not there, I don't know what's going on. Sorry, King. Oh yeah, no, I no, I fully agree. Just um, uh, there's just another thing from NXT that I want to mention because I only watched it there like an hour before we came on. And um, I wasn't, I, I have no intention of really talking about NXT, kind of like Katie, except she's been saddled with the, the responsibility. <laughs> but, um, I watched it this week and you know the way you talk about something that like started off great and, and ended shite? Um, I, the show ended with a, with a faction spitting up that I was very excited to see where they were going to go with. Did, did either of you see this? Yeah, I, yeah, I did watch the main event. Um, so Pete Dunne. He basically, like, or at least it was only like they only formed recently when Rich Holland came back. So we're talking like what a couple of weeks, like if even that. Um, and Danny Burch only came back like what last week or something like that. Yeah. So, so it, it hasn't even established itself yet. But it was it was on the night it, it appeared that there was a faction led by Pete Dunne, which featured Rich Holland, Danny Burch, and only Larkin. And genuinely, I know like not not people are talking about it. Maybe everyone else thinks it's shite, but I actually thought that, was, that there was a potential there for a really really interesting faction. Uh, Danny Burch. Is very under is a very underrated talker in my opinion. Birch and Lorcan are an excellent tag team together. Pete Dunn, obviously he'd be the star of the group. He's likely going to be taking on Samoa Joe next, and then Ridge Holland's the muscle. Who's in my opinion, he's actually not a bad talker. You know what I mean? Like I, I enjoy listening to them all sort of 
yapping away in a little peaky blindersy type stuff. <laughs> but um, it was just it had a lot of potential for me. It was something I was very interested in, and then it just split them up. For and, and again, for me, like because I'm hearing all this stuff about like old wrestlers and what you know, and like how they've dealt with splits in the past, like with um, when I got rid of um, what was his name, Alexander Wolf. And when they got rid of like, you know, wrestlers in the past and kicked them out of factions and how like, you know, it usually leads to like releases or they don't do anything with them. And then you hear them talking about like, oh, they want young wrestlers now. And Danny Birch, you know, obviously he's, he's quite an old wrestler for NXT terms. And I'm like, man, I, I, I'm not I'm not optimistic. I'm kind of like, I, I don't know. I hope they don't do something stupid. You know what I mean? I already kind of have because I thought there was a lot of potential there and I'm a bit let down by it personally. But uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it, it seemed like the week before a reboot, there was a lot of weird decisions made. You know what I mean? Like, I, I know nobody really knows what the reboot is going to be like next week. Rainbows. But like... <laughs> Lots <Yeah>. of colour. <laughs> but it's, and I a don't wedding. Know. Oh, yeah. Well, look, we're going to talk about that. All right, we're okay. going to talk I'll about say that. I'll say no. <laughs> but I mean, like, even things like the the teen, like the, the, the Mei Ying debut and then, like, splitting up factions, it didn't feel like an ending of a chapter. Mm. You know what I mean? Because it, it feels like they, they're dragging stuff through to next week. But, like, if it's a reboot, I don't know. It's just, it, it seemed like a really weird final episode to me before a reboot. Yeah, interesting. Well, look, we'll see. That, that's your problem now, Kay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> in a number two, I want to talk about AEW Dynamite. And last week, Corporate King talked about how Tommy Dreamer was going back to wrestling, even made a list of wrestlers who are 50 plus that he specifically does not want to see wrestling prominent spots. And as we all know, AEW are the company that listen to the fans, and it appears that they were listening well, like. Half listening anyway, because they seem to hear Keen say the words Paul White and Billy Gunn in the same sentence in that list. And later that night on Dynamite, they thought, great idea, <laughs> because we've spoken already about how when you think of must-see matches, AEW absolutely needed to make sure was on their biggest show of the year. QT Marshall versus the big show wasn't move or versus Paul White, apologies, wasn't moving the needle. So what was the one thing that could happen in this feud? What was the one twist on the go home show that they were like, right, this will do it. This will make it more see. If you said Billy Gunn, you were wrong. But that's still what happened as they ran an angle where the gun club, a stable who, to my knowledge, had never been associated with White in any way. And though I'm sure they have crossed paths in the in like at some stage in the past, I can't think of any classic Billy Gunn and Big Show moments in WWE. They somehow turned on the big show like why but i didn't remember them being together to begin with um it's actually impressive work to on the card that the wrestling world is uniting around with the cm punk comeback match managed to include something that irrelevant this few blends ex wwe talent we didn't care about that much when they were relevant with current aw talent we don't care about to the point that they've never been relevant Tony Khan, if you want wrestlers who you grew up watching to like you, just buy their fucking merch. Don't drag the entire fucking wrestling world into your neediness to have these people think you're a swell guy and force us all to sit through something that even members of the gun club probably look at and think, okay, boomer. <laughs> it's like, it's not good. And also to add to this, right? After all this, 
I didn't end up hating the the Paul White QT Marshall match, and I'll tell you why, okay? Because I I somehow don't think it's going to be in in your. I don't think you're going to do 15 minutes of it in your all out review. So I could be wrong, corporate. Pete. But, <laughs> you just never know with me. That's the fun of it. I, I generally don't. Generally never know. It, like if Eric Rowan was there, it'd be the only thing to talk about. So I don't know. <laughs> but like, um, I actually end up liking it, and I'll tell you why. Because I watched most of all out like on my couch, but then like before the main event, I was like, you know what? I'll watch the main event in bed, and then like then I can just roll over and go to sleep. And I actually. <laughs> Had that buffer oh, in being like had Paul White against QT Marshall to be able to move from one room to another and not give a shit. So I was actually thankful that it happened. Now, here's the here's another point as well. I did because I didn't see much of the match. Did Billy Gunn get involved? Uh I don't think so. I, I actually I skipped it. I thought like when I like I saw I wanted basically my my plan was to like watch the first like like 10 seconds seemed to be a knockout and it wasn't so I just skipped it um, I, I I think Big Show won with, with a choke slam. I, I, I remember seeing the end of it I'm pretty sure Big Show won with a choke slam, um, and I don't think you did get involved no yeah, I, I, so... I, I also did not watch this I took the opportunity to have a quick shower because um, I was going out after I finished watching it so <laughs> so it actually proved quite useful for all of us like you know what I mean Keen's like I need to save a bit of time Katie's like I need to have a shower I'm like I need to move to bed actually after all that kind of useful but still didn't have the angle you set up on the show beforehand <laughs> like what the fuck lads um, crazy crazy stuff but not the worst thing of the week because like that is like you know the one b- bad spot on a promotion that is extremely hot whereas I think Think corporate keen. Now it's time to talk about a promotion. There, yeah, things aren't looking as rosy. Let's talk about Ring of Honor. I feel I feel bad putting it in here because, like, obviously, like at number one, it's almost like I'm, you know, I mean, people are, you'd expect me to be like, oh, it's fucking shite. You know, what I mean, it's not. It's actually not. Like, it's it's a. I actually think it's a good show, and they've got a lot of talent. So I want to like that is that's the main sort of sort of crux of my point is that they have got a lot of talent, but there is an issue, right? I watch Ring of Honor every week. Yeah, did you know that? No, Mm-mm. no, because I don't talk about it. I never talk about it. like I don't. I don't even know what day it comes out on. I watch it on Mondays or something like that, or Tuesday, whatever it is. I watch it. So, um, well, right. I don't know what day it comes out on. And the thing about it is, whenever I have to watch Ring of Honor, even though the show isn't bad, I'm never like, oh yes, Ring of Honor this week. Let's fucking go. You know what I mean? Because it never fucking it never feels important. None of their TV shows ever feel important. Um, I've said it before, but like they don't have enough TV. For the roster they have, what they have is basically an hour a week on a station that I, I, I can only assume it's not a big state. I don't know what station it even is. I, I'm going to assume it's not a big American one. You know, like, there, like, well, it, it, it's not like it's 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 a syndicated like station. Sinclair TV is a syndicated TV station, which as a company it's quite big, but as TV stations it's kind of like ones one of the ones you wouldn't watch do you know what i mean it's like do you know the way we had like s4c in some households like the 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 welch channel four you can tune it in in some households it's kind of like that it's the channel you never watch <laughs> s4c oh my god i've ever gone down to wexford and that'll be on i'd be like how the fuck do you s was s4c <laughs> what are you yeah. speaking <laughs> well um yeah and like obviously you know that's that's a chat the reason i'm saying that is obviously that's a challenge that they have to you know deal with and um, the fact that they don't really have like um and I, I obviously like I understand it. Like that's you can't just wake up in the morning and say, right, we're gonna have a two-hour weekly show on TNT. Deadly, you know what I mean? Like obviously, there's it's it's not easy, but they have got they've got that, and they've got kind of two YouTube shows that are kind of like 
you don't know whether or not they, you really need to watch them. I don't, I don't think you really do to sort of advance storylines. Sometimes they have stuff on it that's worth watching. Sometimes they don't. Um, but it's just like my issue with it is that there's no kind of because they've got this massive roster, but this short set of TV time, they don't tend to do like week to week builds. You know what I mean? You know the way like you, for example, you watch Dynamite and you're like, oh yeah, can't wait. Like you know this this happened this week between these wrestlers and these wrestlers are going to be on next week and they'll advance the story and I can't wait to see what happens next. You know kind of way. There's none of that on Ring of Honor TV. It's kind of like they'll showcase one part of the card one week and then another set of wrestlers another week and then another set of wrestlers another week. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like every week it's, it's it's different, and I know that might sound good on paper, but it's not really because then what happens is I kind of forget what's happening. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like with all the wrestling that's happening at the minute, Ring of Honor is just I completely forget like what the main story is. You know who's going after who because it's like I don't feel like they kind of address it enough on each weekly show. Um, it reminds me a lot of like I, I know people love like obviously late like mid twenty tens NXT whatever like taped full sale NXT, but my issue with that was always that. You'd have a banging takeover, right? And you'd love to take over. And that's that'd be the equivalent of their pay-per-views. I think their pay-per-views are actually quite good. But you'd watch the NXT takeovers and uh then you'd you'd tune into NXT the following week and it'd be nothing. There'd be nothing there, it'd be like a pre-show. They had they'd show ta- they'd show matches that they had taped um prior to the takeover, and there was no kind of like what's what's not a go home show? What'll be the, the show after a show? Is there a word for that? Uh, 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 moving out of home show. Okay, perfect. <laughs> leaving the house show. Um, yeah, leaving the uh, gas show. Yeah. Um, but you know what I mean. The show after the pay per view. That's that's usually a, like the most exciting weekly show you're gonna have because that's when the changes yeah. are made and you see what direction everybody's going in. And there doesn't seem to be anything like that after their pay per view. You just go back and it's kind of like you're you're kind of going backwards. I feel like there's no kind of like big sort of oh let's go no big fallout. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, like best in the world happened on the CM Punk week and the SummerSlam weekend. Did like did either of you even know? No. Did either of you know when Death Before Dishonor is happening? No. No. <laughs> I thought that was an EC. I thought that was an ECW pay per view. Uh, <laughs> did the word like, did the word honor not uh, throw you? Dishonor, <laughs> <laughs> dishonor. That's very. Right. It's a different thing. You'd never get dishonor in Ring of Honor. They so would I never. Ring I, of Honor yeah. would never dishonor anyone. <laughs> exactly. no, I, so I understand Katie's thought process. It's actually that's quite. But Death Before Dishonor is quite a big event in you know in the Ring of Honor kind of world, and it's it's on in like four days. And like I, I don't see a single person talking about it. I don't. Uh, most people don't know it's on. You know, like most rest. Obviously, if you're if you follow Ring of Honor that closely and you're into it, obviously you're gonna know. But I mean, like the wider wrestling world isn't even aware of it. You know what I mean? Um, and I think I, I just think it's unfortunate because, like, again, they do have a lot of talent. But I look at like where they are kind of currently in sort of the wrestling food chain at the minute in North uh, North Korea, <laughs> North America. <laughs> I watched a North Korean documentary a few days ago. It's still in my head. Uh, but, uh, in North America, right? You've got Obviously, WWE, AEW, Impact are very much ahead of Ring of Honor. And GCW are ahead of Ring of Honor. I see more people talking about GCW, an independent promotion that doesn't have anywhere near the resources that Ring of Honor and Sinclair Broadcasts would have. And they're getting talked about way more than Ring of Honor. Impact took advantage of the relationship with AEW and the Forbidden Door and all that stuff. They're more talked about the Ring of Honor. And there's no real Mm -hmm. reason why they should be necessarily when you see the roster that Ring of Honor have. Uh, NWA, they put on Empower and that was getting talked about um, way more than I've seen anybody talk about Ring of Honor this year. I haven't seen Ring of Honor talk about fucking anywhere this year. And I've been watching it since it... um, Reboot after the pandemic. And this is the thing. Before the pandemic, I never watched re- Weekly Ring of Honor. Again, for the same reasons. I actually remember before the pandemic, they used to do this thing. And I complained about it on the show before where like they'd have a title match. Uh, on. Let me try to get this right. Yeah, they'd have a title match at the next big event 
where the new champion would be crowned, but the tapings would still be the old champion. So by the time it aired on oh. TV, things were all over the place. You know what I mean? I was like, what? Oh. Like nothing feels important. Now they haven't. I don't think it's been it's been that backwards as of like as as of like post pandemic. But when I started watching Ring of Honor, like in where would it have been like sort of late 2020 or mid to late 2020 when they first came back during the pandemic they had a um it was a tournament for the pure title and i i, I praised it because i was like this is excellent they're doing these really interesting engaging sort of pre um match interviews which they still do and they're really really good stuff um they you know the matches were good obviously there's no crowds but it was 2020 so i mean that's oh they still have no crowds by the way though that's the that's another thing i forgot to mention oh. i'm not a fan of that but in 2020 you know obviously you can forgive that um and the one thing i loved about it was that everything on the show felt important because it was all being addressed week to week it was a tournament everything mattered and it was building along with the entire show week to week so i was like oh this is really engaging it's really interesting um and then like let me see where I am in my note. I have a I have a notes app open so I don't lose track of where I am. Very professional stuff. <laughs> but, um, More professional when you're fair to the notes. Yeah, app. very much so. <laughs> um, but now again, it's it's just so disjointed and nothing feels important. And I think that's such bollocks because the, their issue right now is that not only does it not feel important because their TV, they don't do a good job of building it or promoting it. They also are so isolated in the current modern wrestling landscape where it is literally wwe here everyone else in the same boat over there but yeah. but ring of honor seems to be in their own separate boat miles away and it's kind of like again it shouldn't be could you fucking imagine could you imagine tuning into dynamite tomorrow right and seeing um daniel bryan versus jonathan gresham for the ring of honor pure title Ooh. how much okay, of a fuck- you me. yeah that'd be a fucking banger and then all of a sudden ring of honor are now being talked about on the same show as impact they're being talked about on the same show as nw again AEW helps these promotions like if you if you were to get rid of that relationship between AEW and impact impact would be essentially where ring of honor is and i know it's i was watching mm-hmm. it and following it prior to the AEW relationship and it was a little bit out in the wilderness as well but that you know throwing themselves into the forbidden door or whatever you know what i mean like that that's kind of that has given it that sort of relevance that makes the show feel important and it makes it worth watching. And I think Ring of Honor mm-hmm. are are mad not to be jumping into that if they get the opportunity because for me, like it's got it's got so much potential. I, I'm not in the camp that Ring of Honor is shy through. <laughs> Amber. Amber Sorry. scared the shit out of me. Amber just scared the fuck out of me. I'm no, but Amber agrees with me. That's why she's watching it. What she's saying I'm- is <laughs> Amber will not have the good name of Ring of Honor and its history and heritage <laughs> dishonored. But, they, but there you go. It's got so much history and it's got so much, like even CM Punk mentioned it in his in his return promo. You know what I mean? The, the day yeah. that he left wrestling was the day that he left Ring of Honor. You know what I mean? Because even still to this day, it is, there, there are so many things I like about it, but they just need to do a better job of making themselves feel relevant, making themselves feel important building on things week to week and getting involved with other promotions. That's just what I feel like they should do because right now they're probably like at the minute, maybe the fifth, sixth most relevant company in America. And that's excluding mm. like, you know, Japan as well. So I don't know. I, I, I just want to see more from Ring of Honor. It's not a bad show. This isn't like the NWA where I was kind of like being like, oh, there's nothing on this. You know what I mean? Like th- there is actually potential, but they need to sort of realize it in my opinion. There's there's a reason that like I'm the one who made the call to put it number one by the way not keen but there's a reason that I put it number one and it's it's because of a, a point that I saw that was very well made about like uh, actually Daniel Bryan going to AEW and he did a press conference at the weekend where where he's like and Adam Cole as well was quite similar where he's like you know I really like my time in WWE I enjoyed it they treated me quite well he wasn't like Moxie or CM Punk where he's like I'm gonna shit on those guys do you know what I mean he's like it just seems way more fun over here and 
that is almost more damning than someone being like, they never pushed me to be challenged. Do you know what I mean? Because it's like, like Adam Cole could have had everything in WWE. Daniel Bryan did have everything. He main evented the most recent WrestleMania and like would have been viewed with Roman Reigns and Edge, like if he was still around or whatever he wanted to do pretty much. He'd be doing the G1 like and, and like being the first wrestler into, allowed to wrestle in New Japan and WWE at the same time um, if he wanted and even then, it was just so damning to how WWE is these days that he's just like, yeah, I can have all that, but actually, no, that seems more fun. I'm just going to take this risk with my life because that seems like better crack. And that is worse. Do you know what I mean? Because as angry as I can get about Big Show and QT Marshall, it engages me because it makes me angry. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's it's something which, like, actively, I'm, I'm still watching, even though I'm like, why am I watching this? Why is this on Dynamite? Because I'm still engaged in the product, whereas I think it's even worse when it's just that, it's almost sympathetic. Do you know what I mean? Where you're like, they're real nice guys. And I just, really, you know what I mean? It's And that's it. It's, it's relevance. And, like, you can fix bad programs or you can fix like, you know, shitty program. And even WWE, as cringe as that can be, that could be fixed tomorrow with a couple of good promos or just a, a swift change of direction in the right direction um, because we're engaged with it. But Ring of Honor is almost like, I, I, I struggle to think of what it would take to get me watching Ring of Honor. Do you know what I mean? Because, and that's a shame. And it's also instructive as well when we see how hot AEW is. Now, AEW is hotter than Impact or Ring of Honor everywhere, like on a mainstream level. Um, so I'm not saying it's like for like, but Ring of Honor was the AEW of its day. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's where Samoa Joe, CM Punk, Brian Danielson, you know what I mean? That's where but they that's, all came from. Like, you look at like Adam Cole, Brian Danielson, CM Punk, these are all ex-Ring of Honor lads. I should be yeah. saying, man, I'd fucking love they did an appearance in Ring of Honor. You know what I mean? But I don't really care. You know what I mean? I'm kind of like, yeah. I, I, I mean, it would be cool. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to say like, oh, I wouldn't watch it. I'd give it a watch, of course. I, I do follow Ring of Honor. But I'm just saying like, nobody seems to be saying, oh, let's see all these lads in Ring of Honor again. You know what I mean? It's not really that. And I feel like if they did bring, if they were more involved in the Forbidden Door, for example, and they're showcasing the people that they had, I feel like, you know, mate, perhaps you know, more people will be talking about them and it'd, they'd feel a bit more relevant. If you, if you, CM Punk came out and announced tomorrow, I'm going to go on Ring of Honor TV. I wouldn't watch it because I'd be like, he's just sympathetic. He's just trying to do them a favor. Do you know what I mean? Like, and it's, it's almost like Omega was with Impact, but the fact that Omega had their belts at least made it interesting. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's a worse version of that. So it's it's like, there's, there's no gain from it. It's like, I wouldn't watch it and I'd just be like, oh man, they're doing that just to try save them at this stage, you know? And that's, whether it's true or not, that's the impression I have of it. And that is more damning than any kind of one bad moment for me that you can have. Like even, even kind of what we have here, like if you're watching in the Zoom, the struggle for relevance, like that, that's how you describe Ring of Honor these days. And that's bad. That's like everything else that we, on the promotions we've discussed, like New Japan. Okay. Yeah. There are some difficulties that they're undergoing, but a lot of that is due to the pandemic and the restrictions they're under. Um, NXT and Raw. Okay. Yeah. It can be shit at times. AEW has its moments where it's not the best, but like, you know, they're all, they could all get us back tomorrow. Ring of Honor. I wouldn't even know if they were doing something unless you told me. Do you know what I mean? And and that's that's bad. Um. So yeah, it's it, it's a sad state of affairs. But who knows? Like, look, we could have probably said the same about Impact not too long ago, and they've turned us around. So it's not the end of the world. Anyway, moving on to the good from the week. I imagine there's going to be a lot of it because it's one of the most historic, iconic weeks since we've had a low blows podcast. So let's get to it. It's time for. <laughs> 
best moments of the week in at number six. One that uh, I, I, I had to look at it a couple of times. Let's talk about NXT, though. Go on, try sell me, Katie. Try sell you. I can't yeah. believe this is last in our list for This Is Awesome this week. <laughs> like, look, did NXT have some really good wrestling this week? Yes. Am I going to talk about any of the matches? No. What I'm going to talk about is one of the funniest segments I have ever seen, and that was Dexter Loomis's bachelor party. I cannot believe you didn't find this funny. Like, me and Phil watched it three times in the car today. Like, obviously not five. <laughs> we, were, we, were, we were pulled over waiting on someone. But, like, we watched it three times in the car, like, tears in our eyes laughing at how funny this promo was. So, like... Yeah, obviously we've got the Indy Hartwell, Dexter Loomis engagement. We've got the big wedding next week. And, and and we had like two segments this week. One was Indy Hartwell's bachelorette party. And then one was Dexter Loomis's bachelor party. And mm-hmm. like the first promo wasn't that great. It was just, you know, like Indy Hartwell talking, whatever. But then her and Candice LeRae decided to ditch that to spy on the boys. And then what followed is five and a half minutes of the funniest content WWE has ever put out. Like, I, I like, it was like, it was like, it was like, all, it's always sunny doing an 80s bachelor party movie parody. <laughs> like, I just, I just loved it. I loved how, I loved how all the characters interacted. Like, I've liked Dexter Loomis a long time and I am completely sold on him. He is so fucking funny. And like, I hate Johnny Gargano. This is the best thing he's ever done in his career is this little run right now. I don't give a shit about all them fucking 60 minute Ironman matches or whatever he's done. Like this, this is his legacy. This bachelor party promo. (laughs) Um, Cameron Grimes is in it. Absolutely hilarious. Like it's just, how did you not like this? Like it was, uh, this was insanely funny to me and I am so excited for the wedding next week. Like this has been (laughs) the best part of NXT for me has been Index. John's painful. John, John knows something that's like really embarrassing. What? I'm, I'm actually siding with Katie on this one. <laughs> 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 step, but I, first of all, you know my stance on Dexter Loomis. I've been a Dexter Loomis man since yeah. since his TNA days, right? But uh, but I've, I haven't been into the way. I haven't been into the storyline at all. Like I literally, what, what, uh, like I usually skip their segments. But for some reason, I was like, right, it's very very different. So I'll give it a watch and see what I make of it. But Dexter Loomis going around a quasar and choking out lads with like chloroform. How chloroform. Hellboy, not like that is the funniest thing. Like that, <laughs> like it's cringy, but it is like it's one of the like because I find that when WWE makes me laugh, usually it's when they're tr- like it's an accent. You know I mean, they're not trying to make yeah. me laugh. This is for as far as like WWE comedy goes. It was a decent attempt. I love Dexter Loomis as a character. Like the axe throwing as well, where like they're all fucking like yeah. throwing it around the place and then Dexter Loomis just gets a spot on and he's like just deadpan the entire time. Like thumbs up, <laughs> no smile, no like well done, just a deadpan like well done. <laughs> like, oh man, he's just fucking, I, I love Dexter Lewis, man. I think he's gas. Also like I did, I enjoyed the random characters they brought with them on, on the fucking, <laughs> on the little like, Go kart and trip, whatever you want to call it. The fucking uh, because like Odyssey Jones, like what's what's Odyssey Jones doing here? But like he looked funny, funny, like he added to it though. Like you can see his personality is all coming true. I actually, I, I thought it was gas to be honest. Like, um, yeah, like, no, I can't ev- believe it. Ev- Everyone was in on the joke. That's why I found it so funny. It was like I'd say they had the best crack of their lives filming that. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'd, I'd say I'd say there's just a lot of outtakes where they were just like, let's do this to be gas. You know what yeah. I mean? Just be funny. Like like the like the 
almost romantic way like Dexter Loomis is correcting Johnny Gargano's <laughs> astro you know what I mean it's just it was genius I absolutely loved it like and it's so cheesy and like I just I for me this hit the nail on the head with like the tone of the characters and 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 like what they're doing going forward it's such a nice breath of fresh air like you know what I mean Katie Kate wants the reboot of NXT to just be like segments like this with no wrestling <laughs> Quasar with Dexter Lewis and the lads. <laughs> oh, I do, I do. Look, if if I had to sit through like two hours and fifty minutes of actual wrestling to get to one of these segments, I'll do it every week for the show. <laughs> like, <laughs> do you know what? Like, uh, okay, I haven't been a fan of this, so like, even I may have just been watching it kind of with glazed eyes, as I do watch a lot of these, especially now that I don't have to review NXT. So. I, I, your your enthusiasm for it all has sold me, so I'm going to give it another look and I'm going to give it a reading. I'll watch it with fresh eyes with the idea that maybe they've actually turned the corner on this and I'll give it a go heading into the review because I'm going to watch the wedding next week. It's a wrestling wedding. You have to watch it. But like, I, I'm not, okay, well, like, who knows? Maybe they'll get it right. Maybe they'll tell me. I don't know. I, I'm not going to be negative. I'm not going to shit on, on you guys for liking it. Maybe I missed out. Okay, so that's fair enough. Uh, in at number five, let's talk about AEW Dynamite. And look, we're going to have Corporate Keen reviewing one of wrestling's all-time shows and all-out momentarily. Um, so there's no shortage of pro wrestling, uh, pro AEW content on this week's show. For that reason, I'm going to keep my something good from last week's Dynamite short. And I absolutely loved the ending to Orange Cassidy against Jack Evans. The match itself was nothing special whatsoever. In fact, it was on its way to being and say something stupid, but that's another rant I have for another time. Uh, and even the ending itself was a fairly standard uh, one as Cassidy hit him with a non-Phil Boyd level small package for the tree. So it was just a normal, regular small package. But the reason it's here is simple. It happened during the break in picture in picture. And I absolutely love this. This was late, and it's actually mental that it, this is a first for AEW, considering that the first 18 months or so of its TV show was head-to-head against the competitor. So I don't know why they took this long to do it, but it's such a good move to train fans to every second of the show, even the stuff that happens in breaks that you can only watch in picture-in-picture, is can't miss. Your TV partners are going to absolutely love you for it because it means that the audience isn't going anywhere when it cuts the commercial. Plus, it just makes wrestling more real. Even Keen Fave can't find a good excuse for the fact that when the TV cameras go off, wrestlers who are competing in a high-octane action match all of a sudden switch to extended headlocks and shut up, spots. Like, And you see this with AEW. You get to watch, like, if you're on Fight TV, there's no picture-in-picture. Picture. You just continue watching the match when they do picture-in-picture picture as normal. So you notice the tone shift massively. Um, and that makes no sense. There's no way to Keen Fave that in your own head. Um, so the fact that the match ended is like, yes, because why wouldn't a match end? Um, picture in picture is here to stay in wrestling programming. It's what makes it value as with all other sports, there needs to be a break in play for ads, whenever, whereas wrestling can control that aspect because of the nature of it. So it's great to see companies using it creatively. And it's unsurprising that the first company to do so is AEW. So uh, shouts, guys, well played. In the number four, let's talk about Raw. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, I actually forgot about Raw because obviously, like, it was you know the weekend of um, of, of all out, and you know what I mean. I, nobody was talking about it, nobody's watched it, but then I saw somebody um, shitting on something that happened. I can't even remember what it was on Twitter, and I was like, oh, shite, yeah, Raw. And I, I remember, like, obviously, 
Oh, after being professional, after, after reviewing for low blows, <laughs> I was like, right, here we go. And um, I was going into this with like the most, and by the way, like this was like fairly disliked by the people who watched it, by other people who watched it. Like I was on Reddit afterwards and on Twitter and seeing what people were thinking. Like other people didn't like it. And I went into this with the most negative mindset ever. It's a three hour raw as well. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, oh, just after all out. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to, I don't want to watch raw. <laughs> Man, this is all right. Like, I actually, like, enjoyed this episode of Raw. Nice. Considering that it's, considering, like, what you'd expect going in, obviously there was some, it wasn't all great. I mean, there was a bit of Nia Jax here and there, and, you know, the the usual, <laughs> stuff, you know what I mean? Like, but as far as Raw's go, like, I actually thought it was fucking decent. So the, the show opened up with um basically all the different tag teams staking their claims, saying they're going to win the tag team turmoil match. And I didn't even know there was a turmoil match. I don't know if they announced it in advance, but I was like, class because usually whenever people say oh that raw was amazing or that smackdown was amazing which is very rare but whenever they do say it, it's you watch it and it's usually because it had like out of nowhere an hour-long like wwe contenders like um turmoil match you know like a gauntlet where like you, you find wrestlers in this, in these unique scenarios they're not normally in you know wrestling different yeah. people for a change and it's, it's very it just goes to show like what kind of switching things up for a night can do you know what i mean but they had um they did yeah so they did a turmoil match all different teams i was like okay let's go um, there was a promo as well. I won't get into that. But the, the turmoil match anyway, right? Uh, New Day started off with the Viking Raiders. They beat the Viking Raiders. And it was like, that was grand. Obviously, that's like a proper match. But then uh, Jinder Mahal and Veer came out. And then the New Day beat Jinder Mahal and Veer. And then the Lucha House Party came out. And the New Day beat the Lucha House Party. You're like, oh shit, they're going to go all the way. And then Mason T-Bar come out. <laughs> the monsters that are Mason T-Bar. And uh, New Day beat them as well. So you're like, oh shit, like New Day are just fucking wiping the floor with everyone. Which, I mean, some people might say that shit. I, I don't. I think that's fucking excellent. I think uh, New Day are deadly and they should, you know, former 50-time tag team champions. Nothing wrong with them beating everyone. Um, I liked how this was structured because obviously, you know, Jinder and Veer, whatever, it's their first time teaming. Uh, Lucha House Party are shite. Um, and then the Viking Raiders are one of the... One of the like, I feel like the division's kind of half and half. Like, half the teams are shite, but half of them are legit. And Viking Raiders would be a legit team, but they lost. They, they entered first as well. So it was just, they just lost a match to New Day, like a normal match. Um, But then after this, and this is what I really liked about it. Because look, I, I don't think Mason T-Bar characters should exist, right? I don't think, like when you look at, when, when, when people say that Raw is shite and you ask them why, they you, you turn around and watch it. And it's, you know, again, it's, those are sort of characters and their promos and their work that make you go, yeah, I get you. <laughs> you know, they I mean? they look like they're fading from existence, though. Like their gimmick is getting less every single week, and it's just they're becoming their old characters, like more and more. Like if every they... time we see them, they've less face paint. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if they morphed, if they turn around and said, "All right, we're gonna drop this supernatural," but like if they yeah. slowly, if that's the direction they're heading, that's actually really cool. But my yeah. point, that I was gonna say, is well, I don't support the Mason T Bar characters from let's just say if you had a gun to your head and you had to book them in some way that made them kind of look like somebody's without actually giving them any glory this is the way to do it so basically what happened was the new day won and um mason t-bar basically beat the absolute fucking shit out of them pillar at the post smashed them up fucking destroyed them and i was like oh shit whoever comes in next they're gonna have like a, an easy win then right this is how the new day's run ends and then <laughs> out comes Mustafa Ali and Mansoor. And I was like, fuck yeah, man. I love Mustafa Ali and Mansoor. They're my favorite. Even though the, the live crowd, unfortunately, didn't give a fuck about them. But I did because I loved them. And um, they came out. And this is this is obviously their whole their whole thing at the minute is Mustafa Ali telling Mansoor, follow my lead. You know, but Mansoor is the ultimate babyface. He needs to do things the right way. To, Come on. You know, that kind of way. So um, 
what happens is they show up and like retribution aren't done. They're still beating the shit out of New Day. So obviously the, the Mustafa Ali way, the smart way to do it is right. We'll wait until, you know, T-Bar and Mace finish up and then go in and get the pin. And then on, on you go then into the next round or whatever. You know what I mean? But Mansoor just goes, ah, and he runs in and attacks Mace and T-Bar and they just clatter him. They just beat the shit out of him. And, uh, and they're just standing there going, oh, Mansoor, why the fuck did you do that? And then like Mustafa Ali's like, well, I can't just fucking stand here while my partner gets murdered. Like, I, to, you know, I need him <laughs> for the match. So he comes in to fucking um, save him. Then he gets clattered as well. And they do something very unique. I, I don't think this has ever happened in like a turmoil gauntlet match. But um, basically, uh, Adam Pearce and Sonya Deville came out and they're like, right, well, these lads are fucked. <laughs> so uh, we're just going to restart, like continue the match later on in the night. And I think I saw people shitting on this because it made no sense or whatever, whatever. Oh, yeah, shot. Sure, this is good. I'm like, man, yeah, I'm I'm, in, like, I'm into this match. And also, Bobby Lashley and MVP then got added to it as well in the second half. So I'm like, all right, sounds good. I've got like a match at the end of the show that, that has stakes. It's basically it's number mm-hmm. one contenders for um, RK Bros tag titles. And I was like, right. Cool, yo, then, like, I'm, I've got a match that, like, I'm I'm into. I can look forward to at the end of the show. And, you know, I enjoy, yeah, Amber enjoyed it, too. Uh, like, it was a really good match. Uh, <laughs> um, I really, I'm really sorry, dude. The cat has been mugging her off for days. She just comes in and sits on the wall outside her house, and she gets very angry. So oh, I'm just going to... Yeah, I know. We, I'm, got... I'm, I'm going to mute when the cat runs by. That's fair. <laughs> We're in the same boat as well over here, to be honest. Uh, but <laughs> the big lad doesn't give a shit. Cats. It's a small dog that gives a shit. And it's like, man, it's it's just a cat like you fucking cat. anyway foxy cats like <laughs> but um so the tag team turmoil match i liked how it was how it was done i really enjoyed it that's the first thing that i enjoyed another thing i'm putting in <laughs> oh actually sorry before i get to that um drew mcintyre and sheamus then had a match after and this is like yes. we're actually we're almost at the halfway point of the show at this stage so we've had one really long match that i enjoyed and then this is um followed by another match between two people who I don't enjoy seeing them talk. I said this last week. I don't enjoy seeing them talk. I don't enjoy seeing their promos. But I feel like this is just another great way of utilizing them. Okay, we've seen Sheamus and Drew McIntyre wrestle before, but this time it's number one contenders for the US title winner gets Damian Priest Extreme Rules. Um, so there's stakes. There's a reason for the match to happen. And I mean, it doesn't matter if they wrestle before. It is. It's 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 raw and it was a good match. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm not going to complain about it. I actually really I enjoyed it. And I, I've got nothing bad to say about it. So we're at the halfway point now on Raw with like, with a fairly, in my opinion, decent show for Raw standards having been having been sort of played out. Now, they, obviously, after this, things get a bit messy. <laughs> but I'm gonna obviously this is it's this is awesome, so I'm gonna stick to the good. And this is where I probably differ from even more people, right? Because I'm putting something in this is awesome now that uh, you'd probably you'd, you'd be surprised. But um, I'm putting Carrion Cross in this is awesome. Um, now it's not for the usual reasons. Now I've always I've always been somebody to come on this show and say. I think Karrion Cross is charismatic. I think he there is a lot of potential there that a lot of people don't see. I fully disagree with this idea that he's generic car number 76. I think he offers a lot more than that. That's not why he's in This Is Awesome, though. Like, since coming to Raw, and I, nothing's been cool about Karrion Cross, right, on, on Raw. But one thing I have to say, right, I watched uh, Moist TV with John Morrison, and uh, his guest was Karrion Cross, And this is painful, because I can feel myself turning into Katie Harvey the more I talk. I had a birthday a few weeks ago. <laughs> where I found out that I wasn't in my early 20s anymore, but my early to mid, to mid. I'm getting old. And I can, I can feel myself getting old <laughs> and becoming more like Katie because this actually made me laugh. This, again, like like the Dex Loomis, Dexter Loomis stuff, like this made me laugh because well, I don't know, I, I still don't know if it was intentional or not, but it was it was funny. John Morrison turns around and he's like, you know, oh, so carrying Cross, you know, what are your, you know, what are your goals or, or who are you and, and all this sort of stuff. And carrying Cross is like, I'm the... Uh, 
let's just say I'm the sort of guy that likes to make uh, your everybody's worst nightmares come to life or something like that. And then <laughs> John Morrison's like, oh, well, what do you plan on doing next? And he's just like, John, I'm going to make you suffer. <laughs> like, he just stared at him. I was just, the intensity was so awkward and unmatched. <laughs> That it just made me laugh so hard. Like I don't know why it caught me off guard, but it just made me laugh so fucking hard. And then, <laughs> like, and then he goes on, and like, it's just, it's just an awkward. It's like, it's like really intense. It's like if Alan Partridge was to interview a serial killer or something like that. You know what I mean? And John Morrison. John Morrison turns around. And he's like, "Well, what, what do you want to do?" And he's like, uh, "You know, do you want to go for the, you know, U.S. title, the world title? You're gonna beat Seamus. Gonna be this guy, that guy." And it's like, "Yes, that all sounds great." And, but he just he's so intense like he's so hilariously unnecessarily intense with John Morrison <laughs> and then they have a match and this this match is the, this is what I saw getting shot on on Raw before I started watching it right and I was and it does look shit right because he's got the stupid fucking shoulder pads and like the stupid gear and John Morrison he gets out the fucking drip stick and like squirts <laughs> squirts away, uh, all the water but I'm gonna be honest it was really funny. Like, <laughs> I found it really funny. Like, seeing this really intense, like, Jack, like, for no reason, just so angry. Uh, carrying Cross coming in, and then, like, then he gets, like, you know, squirted. It's like something of a kid's TV show. It's, it is, and it is a kid's TV show at the end of the day. Like, so it's childish humor, and I don't normally, like, find that sort of stuff funny in WWE, but for some reason, it just, it just made me laugh today. And uh, <laughs> he then goes from, like, you know, getting, like, fucking drenched in water or whatever to just choking Morrison out and fucking killing him I mean fucking killing him like I look you know it looks vi- when Karrion Cross chokes somebody out he makes it look vicious you know what I mean and that made it look re- that made it even funnier like that I, I, that made me laugh even more because of just the viciousness of the whole thing you know what I mean um the tone of Karrion Cross on Raw I don't know what like on NXT it was like there were times when I could see what they were going for there were times when I was like oh yeah this can be kind of cool or whatever it's not cool but it is funny and uh, that's <laughs> I'm putting it here. Um, another thing I'm putting in, this is a bit generous in terms of, um, I'm not putting it in because of the segment itself, right? Charlotte and Nia Jax had a match for the for the women's title. Obviously, and, and I couldn't stop laughing as well. The commentary were talking about how like the fans were clamoring for this match, you know what I mean? Especially after last week, like <laughs> our fans were clamoring for, for Charlotte and Nia mm. Jax too for the title. Um, but what made me laugh, what, not made me laugh, sorry, but what I liked about this is that um, Nia Jax lost because of interference from Shayna Baszler. So I like the direction they're heading. And now it is raw. You can't really bet on the direction going anyway yeah. in particular. But I'm going to be optimistic because I want Shayna Baszler to be on top of the of the raw women's division. Bar none. I think she is so much better than fucking, you know, all this like Charlotte Alexa Bliss shit. You know what I mean? I, I firmly believe. I know people said like, oh, she was boring or this or that. You know what I mean? When she was NXT champion. I wasn't in that camp at all. I thought she was cool. I think if you give her a Paul Heyman or an MVP or, or you know, a manager of that caliber, um, she could be the, the female Brock Lesnar of her division and she could go around destroying cunts. And I think that would be so much cooler than the sort of shit that you see nowadays in the in the Raw Women's Division. So mm. that's what I want to see. And I think the first step in order to do that is obviously she has to split from Nia. And I've been calling for them to split for ages. I've really wanted to see it. We're getting it. That's the positives that I take from it. You know I mean? I'm not going to go any, any further than that. I think it's a good step is basically what I'm saying. Um... Yeah, then obviously I did mention the 24-7 segment earlier. Um, yes, it was disrespectful to Jeff Hardy, but I want to take one positive from it. Drake Maverick is back on Raw. I'm delighted because obviously with this new direction of NXT, Drake Maverick is 38 and 5'4". I don't think, you know, if, if we're to believe what we're seeing about NXT and the direction and the cuts that are coming and, and all that stuff, I'm like, 
you know, it, it didn't really bode well from on paper, but I think Drake Maverick is fucking unbelievable. I think they are, they are, they do not realize who they have when it comes to Drake Maverick. When it comes to evoking emotion from a crowd, I honest to God think Drake Maverick is one of the best in the world at that. I think you can tell such a story with Drake Maverick. Um, and I really, really hope that they, like, he's one of the very, very few wrestlers that I want to see stay in WWE because I think they could do something really, really cool with him. Like, I'm thinking, obviously, we always mention the hair versus hair match between him and EC3, but that's it. You know what I mean? The promos that he can cut and the matches that he can cut as a man of his size getting battered and the underdog fighting back, he is just honest to God in a, on a level of his own. I genuinely, I cannot emphasize how highly I rate Drake Maverick. So to see him on Raw as a single star again, um, is a relief. Yeah, he's in the 24-7 division, but I think it'll be funny for a, for a, for a little bit because, I mean, the 24-7 the title was at its best when he was competing for it because he, yeah. he really is so funny as well. He can do comedy too, but I'm glad he's on Raw and long-term, I'm hoping this will lead, again, I'm being optimistic, but I'm hoping this will lead to even like the, even the US title. He could make the US title look like the most important title in the world if he challenges for it, you know what I mean? Because if he was to take on, you know, a heel Seamus, for example, Seamus versus Drake Maverick, you know, a heel Seamus versus a face Drake Maverick where he's cutting promos about how much it would mean to him to win his first belt. Oh, I'm telling you now, the story you could tell with that would be excellent. It'd be here in This Is Awesome every week. Um, finally, last segment, um, we're going back to the tag team turmoil match, right? Hey. <laughs> um, my favourite, I loved it. Um, we start off with New Day and um, Mansoor and Mustafa Ali, who obviously fucked their chances earlier. Obviously, New Day eliminates them. That was to be expected. And then we get AJ and Omos coming out versus the New Day uh, and Omos flattens them. Finally, New Day's amazing run comes to an end. Um, again, I love the story they told about New Day being able to beat all these teams but being put in that position where they can't go all the way, obviously, because they're, you know, they entered first. Um, AJ and Omos, I love them to bits. I won't, go, I won't go any further on that because you know how much I love Omos. Um, but out comes the final team to take on <laughs> AJ Styles and Omos. It's Bobby Lashley versus MVP. Should I say the hometown hero MVP? Um, because he comes out and, I, you know, it's heel versus heel. And I love heel versus heel stuff in WWE. I find it very interesting because you never know what way the crowd are going to go. But MVP being from Miami, they started going mad, you know, proper MVP, MVP. I'm like, I love this. I love seeing MVP getting those chants. I fucking, I just, I love that man so much. And seeing him get that reaction just makes me feel happy. But any tags, Bobby Lashley, right? We get Bobby Lashley versus AJ Styles for a bit. Yeah, and that's pretty good. Good wrestling, whatever. But it gets way better, right? Way more interesting. Like, I, this is not something I even thought I wanted. I wasn't even thinking along these lines, right? But when AJ Styles tags in Omos, right? Now, I always, I always say I love seeing Omos get tagged in, but this was fascinating, right? Bobby Lashley versus fucking Omos. Not just that. Babyface Bobby Lashley versus Omos. The crowd, the hurt business were babyfaces that night. They're going crazy for Bobby Lashley. They're going crazy for MVP. Bobby Lashley is dwarfed by this man. Bobby Lashley looks like a flyway. <laughs> and when do we ever see Bobby Lashley in this position? He's fucking, even against Braun Strowman, you know, he didn't really look that small compared to Braun Strowman. He looked mm. tiny here. He was dwarfed by him. And unlike, you know, most people when they go against Omos and they're trying to, you know, kick him and jump on him and flip and whatever, and he just swats him out like a fly, Bobby Lashley's hitting power moves, you know what I mean? He's trying to spear him, he's trying to lift him up. Obviously, he doesn't lift him up, but if we do get to a stage where somebody lifts up Omos and slams him, it's going to be like Andre stuff, you know what I mean? Like, it's going to be, it's going to get yeah. a mad pop. Simple stuff, but I love it. Um, It was interesting dynamic. I really enjoyed the match. 
I didn't know which way it was going to go, but Lashley and MVP ended up winning. Um, so we're getting MVP and Lashley against uh, RK Bro, I think, for the tag titles. And I think in the main event of Extreme Rules is going to be Lashley versus Orton. And that's a match I'm really looking forward to. It's something different. I'm, I'm glad they didn't go for like another rematch or anything like that. I think you'd imagine Lashley... They both happened in the same night. Are they? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, yeah, I got a bit right. confused. I kind of skipped through the promos. I shouldn't have done that. Right. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> um, uh, but um, yeah, Lashley versus Orton on paper, you'd imagine Lashley's going to win and then go on to face Goldberg in Saudi Arabia. But what makes this interesting is you don't know what the Saudi Arabian prince has said. He may, he, the Saudi Arabian prince may have turned around and said, we want Randy Orton versus Goldberg. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they could, they could easily do that and they could have like a title change. I hope they don't. I would, I, I'm really enjoying Lashley as champion. And I, I don't know. I think as far as Raw's go, wasn't bad, but wasn't bad. I, I, yeah. I'll give it my uh, seal of approval. <laughs> Okay, interesting. I, lo- I I do like the Drake Maverick thing in particular. That was the one thing where, where I can definitely go sign off. Um, where, like, because, again, here's the thing. Like, he was released last year. And, yes, he w- there was an outcry after he put up that sad video of himself. But did people watch when him and Killian Dane teamed together? Were people raving about it every single week? So, you kind of didn't help him, you know what I mean, by, by campaigning for him and then validating the decision. Whereas, like, putting him back on Raw, it puts him in with his strengths in the 24 division. I think he can be an asset there. Um, and, and there's a history there. Like, as soon as he came out, we all kind of went, oh, yeah. Was that? You know what I mean? So it, it, it worked well. Like, and he's like, I'm coming to claim my title back. I really like that. Awesome. Um, Jonathan says, I think you'll find that Saudi Arabian Prince still wants Bobby Lashley versus Yokozuna. Maybe that'll be the title match. We don't know. We don't know. There we'll wait go. and see. But yeah, there you go. <laughs> they pull out all the stuff for Saudi Arabia. So who knows? <laughs> In at number three, let's talk about a big week on SmackDown. Obviously, Finn Balor against Roman Reigns. Let's talk about the positive, Kate. Oh, Keen made me almost wish I was still reviewing Raw there, but uh, not really. (laughs) (laughs) Smackdown was really, really good and really easy to watch. And, you know, it didn't take three hours of my life. So, you know. Yeah, I enjoyed those three hours. They're way better than any two hours I've ever watched on Smackdown, you nerd. <laughs> I feel you like you gave that. like I, <laughs> I feel like you gave like a really thorough review of Raw as some kind of like fuck you to me like yeah yeah it was look, yeah well, I see you're well look jealous what you're missing look what you're missing yeah, you... but like I'm not missing want to swap back <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you can't yeah. have a swap back unless unless you wanted to swap back I mean like you, but, you, but you can't but I mean if you wanted to you know just saying. <laughs> no and <laughs> um, yeah SmackDown was really good like. There was lots of really good stuff like Becky and Bianca, really, really good promo. Bianca totally winning the crowd back and getting them back behind her as a baby face. Becky's still kind of like playing the like, oh, I don't know why you're making me out to be the bad guy. Like I just did what was right. Excellent promo. I can see like people getting really, really hyped for that for that rematch at Extreme Rules. Like they're doing a really good job of that storyline. Um, but the main thing I want to talk about is Paul Heyman. Right. And his teases of Brock Lesnar because it is so good. (laughs) I I thought it was so funny that Brock Lesnar's team music is Paul Hayden's (laughs) ringtone. And then like when you think like, does he just have all wrestlers assigned their team songs as the ringtone so he knows who's calling them, or is it specific to Brock Lesnar? Or like it's such a stupid thing. Like, I mean, there's there's plenty of ways they could have like he could have answered and said, hey, 
Brock, you know, or like, but like, it's so on the nose to have his ringtone, ringtone be Brock Lesnar's theme song. And it's just, it was so stupid, but I absolutely loved it. But I love how they're teasing um, Brock Lesnar's involvement and, and Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns, you know, it's not in your face. We still don't know completely where Paul Heyman's loyalties lie, you know, and um, we don't know if he's really been in contact with Brock or if he's lying to Roman. They're just, they're just like, they're just being really, really good. And like Paul Heyman is so good at these kind of like segments and so good at like weaving this kind of like misdirection and intrigue into things. Mm. Also love these random Big E things where he's just shown up in disguise to show Paul Heyman he's still Mr. Money in the Bank. Like it's like he's a lunatic. I love it. Like I love him. And <laughs> Paul Heyman plays off everyone brilliantly on SmackDown. And like one of the things I love about SmackDown is is the fact that like they do weave so many different stories and so many different possibilities into their main event. Like, yes, we're teasing Brock Lesnar getting involved with Roman Reigns. We're also teasing Big E with the briefcase. But then we've also got like, we've also got a feud broom with Finn Balor and Finn Balor is someone who could believably take it to Roman Reigns, you know? So yeah. it's, it's, it's like, it feels like the circle's closing in on them. You know what I mean? And like, it's, it's, it's just so interesting. So we had a, we had that as the main event, obviously, Finn Balor versus Roman Reigns, and Roman Reigns won. I don't think anyone was ever going to dispute that Roman Reigns was winning that match. But what I enjoyed is they made Finn Balor look so strong, yeah. having the Usos attacking before the bell, you know, real good, fiery baby face struggling through the match. Still took it to him, you know what I mean? And then even when he lost, teasing the return of the demon, you know what I mean? Making Finn Balor seem like, oh, look, Roman Reigns can be Finn Balor. But like Roman Reigns hasn't faced the demon. And like all of a sudden you've got another contender that could possibly take Roman Reigns down. Well, and he has, just... they have faced, and and the demon won. Oh shit, I forgot about yeah. that. My father but... beat him before, yeah. Oh shit. So that makes it even more interesting. So we know yeah. he can beat Roman Reigns. Uh-huh. So now we have like we have three separate possibilities for who's gonna beat Roman Reigns, you know? And um, but I just, I just thought the whole thing was so well done on SmackDown, just really, really enjoyable. Um, and again, like it, it all hinges on someone like Paul Heyman, who just plays his part so well, like even before the match. Like we knew Finn Balor wasn't winning, but how many of us thought Brock Lesnar was showing up at the end of SmackDown? You know what I mean? Just, just by that little interaction, like how do you know where he's calling from? You know, like just, yeah. just little things like that that Paul Heyman <sighs> plays off so well off the phone call. Like how do you know he's in Saskatchewan? How do you know he's not yeah. in the building? And it's just yeah. like, oh shit, like, does he know something? Does he not know something? Is, is Brock Lesnar going to blindside him? Like, it's 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 deadly. Like, I absolutely cannot wait. Like, we know Brock Lesnar is going to be in Madison Square Garden next week. So we know there's going to be some kind of interaction. But like, how is everything going to clash? You know what I mean? And what is Paul Heyman's role? He's just playing an absolute blinder on SmackDown. And uh, I just I just love it. I love it. I, I don't understand how the people that write this storyline are in the same company with so many other shite storylines that we see every week. Do you know what I mean? Because this is so good. They don't, they barely do anything on a week to week basis. Do you know what I mean? They just do little things. Like all that happened here was Paul Heyman got a phone call and there was just little reactions to that. Do you know what I mean? But nothing was decided. Nothing was like, told it nothing was spelled out it was all just inferred it was all just like maybe it'll go this way maybe it'll go that way if they just they tip along with this storyline even when you think back to the usos and kind of the tensions they have a roman reigns 
nothing was ever actually resolved there. Do you know what I mean? They never pushed that towards a climax. They're just like, we're just going to leave that here. We're just going to leave that here. And you know that like along the way, these dominoes will start to fall and it's going to be amazing when it does. But we've no idea when that's going to happen. And they're so patient with it as well that like, you know, it could be another year. Do you know what I mean? If I told you this is going to go on for another year, you're like, well, it's great TV, so I don't care. Um, but also like, yeah, I can easily see them doing it because they've already done this for a year and they've got away with it and it's still just as good. Um, really, really good stuff. And, and Paul Heyman is the perfect guy for that role as well. In a number two, let's talk about the positive from uh, New Japan Wrestle Grand Slam. Like, And there was a lot of grand stuff across the weekend um, with the two nights of Wrestle Grand Slam in the MetLife Stadium. Uh, Shigo Takagi versus Eagle, Eagle for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship was a typical old school cheating heel stable, constantly interfere, hijinks match. They got so ridiculous eventually you just had to submit to it and enjoy it. Like <laughs> Evil, like ramming like um, evil ramen Takagi into the barrier where he knocks over the timekeeper's table and then like everyone like makes a big fuss about the timekeeper gets him sitting back up and as soon as he's back sitting in his desk evil does the exact same thing again you just can't be angry with it like even though it's like oh come on this isn't a serious championship match you're like Whatever. I, I actually am having fun. I can't fight it. Kota Ibushi came back after two months off with pneumonia in the main event against Tanahashi for the US title, which Tana won in a refreshingly G1-style sprint rather than a 40-minute epic that I thought it was going to be because there was a lot of epic matches on night one. In a real upset, Robbie Eagles caused a huge upset by tapping out Hiromu Takahashi, clean as a whistle, in the latter's first big match coming back after injury uh, for Eagles to retain the Junior Heavyweight Championship. A lot of people thought this was just a nice little like pat on the back for Eagles for good work, and 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 then her, he dropped it back to Hiromu. But no, he didn't. They're obviously taking him seriously. So I'm not sure how I feel about Robbie Eagles. That's another discussion for another day, but this did surprise me. Uh, El Desperado and Kanemaru won the IWGP Junior Tag Team belts, and Desperado later challenged Eagles with a tag team title shot thrown in to raise the stakes, very similar to what WWE is doing with Orton and Lashley. Uh, and then Jeff Cobb also surprised Okada with a clean win that I guess will tie into whatever they do with the G1 because they're both in the same block. Plus they had Show and Yo the former Rapungi 3K uh, they did good if not spectacular because it probably happened too soon without enough build. Uh, they had a good match though it was off the breakup of the tag team that uh, saw Show win and then afterwards he joined the Bullet Club but what I want to draw your attention to is something that we've discussed before and I haven't discussed it positively here and I need you to pay particular attention to what I'm going to say because I'll explain why this is a bit mental afterwards. But I want to talk about the King, the KOPW uh, Provisional Championship match between Provisional Champion Chase Owens and last year's champion Tori Yano. And these have been feuding for a while and this was set to be the feud ender with a big I quit match stipulation that the fans voted for. And to commemorate, commemorate the, occasional, the occasion, the usual jovial comedy wrestler Yano decided to come back with his hair dyed red, indicating that it would be tapping into his old, more vicious, more, most violent players uh, persona that he was before he was a comedy wrestler so he's like the joke's over here I'm the old guy now and these two actually went out and had an intense decent match it was about 20-25 minutes and it, and it was really entertaining I quit matches can be difficult by default but they did their best to make it interesting for example at one stage Chase gave Yano a package pile driver onto two tables which on the outside and these are Japanese tables so guess what they didn't fucking break <laughs> he just took that pile driver head on um 
and then knocked Yano out to the point that he couldn't say I quit. Like, so everyone had to stand around like, what do you do here? Like, what do you do? And then eventually he was able to get back up and say no. The match ended <laughs> when Yano threatened to stab Chase Owens in the eye with a scissors. Like, he literally, it was so intense. He got a scissors and was threatening to stab. He did stab him a few times in the forehead. And then he said, I'm going to take your eye out at this stage. And then Chase Owens screamed, I quit. And this was like sneakily and fun and unexpected. And, but I have to confess that it almost did end up in say something stupid. And you may wonder why, because it actually sounds like you enjoyed it. And I did. But the thing is, context matters in wrestling because the New Japan watchers among you listening, or even those of you who just pay attention or remember what I say when I speak about them, may realize one slightly odd aspect that I haven't focused on yet. That this was for the KOPW Championship. And yes, you may remember beforehand, I explained, this is the comedy wrestling belt that New Japan have brought in and essentially made the Yano division. This is a comedy belt. This is like the 24-7 championship. So, well, this was quite a good match in a vacuum. The problem was the belt it was for and everything that came before it. It was effectively like one week on Raw where Reginald is walking through the park like, I used to always love visiting the park as a child and seeing the squirrels. And then R-True tried to attack him from behind dressed as a squirrel. And then on the next episode, for some reason, it escalates to r threatening to murder Reginald's family with a machete. It's like you can't go from Dora the Explorer to the human centipede. That's not how storylines flow, but that's what happened here. Um, so look, credit for the good match. They And to be fair, they did go into it saying with Chase saying, I want you to take this match with me seriously as a competitor. So they did set it up, but still, like, I guess you made your point. It just came across a bit random, but it did deserve mentioning. Anyway, that's number two. Guys, time to get on to the main event. You've all been waiting for it this week, okay? Just to add, just to put context on this, as we set it up, okay? I put out a poll on Twitter um, <laughs> after this show because of how much buzz was going on with it. Uh, and I set the over-under for how long Corporate Keen's review of All Out would be at 40 minutes. And I can reveal that 91% of that poll said over. <laughs> So, Corporate Keen, the floor is yours. I will be timing. Uh, let's speak about the best thing of the week, maybe one of the best thing of the year, maybe one of the best things of the decade in Professor Wrestling. Let's talk about AEW All Out. Um, yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, <laughs> I, I have, have the card out in front of me. I, I wasn't arsed um, writing out like, oh, what I thought was That's good. Fair. I was like, I'm just going to open up the card uh, when we're doing this. So, where will we begin? At the, I didn't. Did you see the pre-show? Yes. Is that anything no. you want to say about it? Because I missed it. It would no, it was very good. It was exactly like it was what you want the pre-show match to be. It was a 10-man tag. Um, best friends in Jurassic Express against the Hardy family. Um, and it was just a lot of high spots and just keeping the crowd moving and getting the crowd hyped. It was a perfect pre-show match. Nothing to remember, nothing to go out of your way to see. But if you watched it, it made you really uh, get hyped for the pay-per-view, which is what they were meant to do. So really good. And it also seemed to set up Orange Cassidy against Matt Hardy in a hair versus hair match coming up, which is an interesting stipulation. So uh, yeah, it was good. Um. All right, the opener was Miro versus Eddie Kingston for the uh, TNT Championship, and uh, this this match was pretty much what what you'd want it to be. Um, I enjoyed seeing Eddie Kingston scrapping away, and uh, <laughs> I, I I thought the officiating was a disgrace. Um, from Bryce Remsburg, I think you know I need to need to sort that out. Can't be letting Miro get away with that sort of shit. But um, yeah, everything I could have wanted from that. Um, then there was. <laughs> 
Can I can I just jump in on actually on Bryce Remsburg because this actually pissed me off about this match, right? <laughs> there's there's a stage where like what what was it that happened? Like it was he the turnbuckle came off. The turnbuckle turn- came off, and then like there was the there was the pin cover and stuff like that. But like there was like he got up in the middle and there was a two count, and then like they couldn't believe it. But like he started like selling how confused he was and just kind of like doing a face expression where he was drawing all of the attention onto himself away from the wrestlers. And Bryce Remsburg is an awful man for this. He's someone who should not be a referee because and I don't mean that as in he's bad at his job, I mean it as in he wants the attention to be on him. Do you know what I mean? He has that gene, but he's in the wrong job for it because he loves any opportunity to draw the attention away from the wrestlers. And it's like, I get what you're going for, but you're doing it all wrong because now everyone's looking at you and nobody's looking at how the wrestlers are reacting to you. Again, I really enjoyed this match and I don't want to shit on all out going in, but like that was one thing that really pissed me off. Uh, I know. I was just saying he missed Miro cheating. (laughs) Um... (laughs) Then we get into uh, John Moxley versus uh, Kojima, and uh, I again I feel like this this is I feel like this is more your territory, Rick. I feel like uh, if there's anything you want to say now, just no, ah, <laughs> ah, this is so good, Corbin. I want to ask you this. I want to throw it back at you because I remember last week you're like, I don't want to see wrestlers over fifty. Did this at least convince you that wrestlers over fifty can't have good matches in certain spots? Yeah, it was grand. Like I, mean, I was more, I was more into what happened afterwards. To be honest, afterwards, yeah, and again, but again, <laughs> elderly wrestling. That's that's an elderly. Oh my god! Oh my Suzuki, god! Suzuki isn't. I, I, like when I talk about fifty plus year olds, right? Suzuki doesn't count. I don't know how old Suzuki is, but if he's ninety, he's it doesn't count. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't really. I mean, he's just. It, it it's just he's just Suzuki. You know what I mean? It's not yeah. really kind of like. He's, yeah. he's the fine wine of Professor Wrestling. This was perfect. This was so fucking good. Um, and I love it because obviously what it's doing is building to probably at, at Wrestle Kingdom it's going to be Moxie against Tanahashi. And they may have a rematch on AEW or something like that. But like they're building with him, like moving up the card through New Japan guys. Do you know what I mean? And Suzuki is such an escalation and such the right person for this moment. It is such a cool moment to give away. Uh, and again, it's it, the match is happening like tonight in Cincinnati in John Mox's hometown so it set up perfectly I love the fact that Suzuki beat the crap out of him I think that's a big scalp for Suzuki to get um, but also with Moxie's protected he just had a match and he wasn't expecting so, so it's not burying Moxie but I love the fact that Suzuki got the better of him this was electric and it was just like it just set the tone for the show I remember tweeting and this tweet got a lot of reactions as well I remember tweeting after this I'm like this is now in the WrestleMania 17 territory of, like, is this the best wrestling card ever? And we're two matches in. <laughs> you know what I mean? But that's how high you felt after this moment. You're like, oh, my God, you are just fucking showing off now, AEW, you bastards. <laughs> it was amazing. I love the Kazanin Ray moment as well. Um, <laughs> so, oh. I thought somebody say that JR nearly ruined it because he was talking about a meal or something like that. <laughs> I watch the fucking hear him going, and like you can just tell, like Exalibur or someone fucking L would have been the ribs or something during the during yeah. the moment because the fucking pop that got just oh man, I uh, just yeah, excellent stuff. Oh like, god. Um. Then we go from that to uh, Britt Baker versus Chris Statlander, and the one thing that I took from this match that made me laugh quite a lot was um, when Chris Statlander, Chris Statlander was out on the like was down on the outside, and this was like the ultimate like big fight like endorsement. Do you know what I mean? Orange Cassidy going like fucking freaking out, being like, "Come on, get it!" <laughs> 
and it's like orange Cassidy you know what I mean like once he starts freaking out it's like that's when you know like oh shit like this is serious um yeah but I'm glad Britt Baker won I think um you know in the long run like it's it's gonna go we'll, we'll get we'll get to the women's division down the line because obviously there's another <laughs> another cool moment down the line that we'll get to yeah. um but next oh this is the match man this is the fucking match right the Lucha Brothers versus uh, the Young Bucks in a steel cage for the AEW World Tag Team titles. This is the match going in where I'm like, right, look, like looking at it now, this is the match I'm most looking forward to. I think this is going to be match of the night. And a hundred fucking percent for me, this is the match of the night. I love this. I absolutely fucking love this. Um, uh, The first thing I'm going to praise, right, is uh, this, is gonna, this is a very strange I'll thing. Do the steel cage itself. Okay, okay. I'm going <laughs> to praise the steel cage itself. Not, not praising the steel cage, but the the people who set it up, right? I like it because... Yeah, you're, you're not saying the steel cage is a great job. Like, look at it. It stays standing. Look it, at it, that. That's, you know, that's it a is, sturdy bit of metal, that is. It is an inanimate object, so I don't want to get too <laughs> emotional. Great job, buddy. In the cage itself. But I do like how um, in AEW, and I said this about Cody Rhodes against Wardlow as well, the cages feel massive. They feel like a big fuck-off structure that are, like, to get to the top of is actually kind of a... It, it, like, it feels... Almost like a hell in a cell, you know what I mean? They're like, there's no roof on it, but to get out of it and get in, is, it feels a bit more difficult. And if somebody dies off the top, it feels like a massive, like, massive jump, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so I like that aspect of it. This match was deadly for, like, a whole number of reasons. First of all, yeah. um, the unpredictability factor. I know the Young Bucks were heavy favourites going in, but, I mean, that kind of all went out the window once once they started going at it, you know what I mean? Because, mm-hmm. obviously, you, you knew then by the... Obviously, the results sort of speaks for itself. There was no way of knowing for sure who was going to win. Um, and that's obviously excellent. For me... This is the greatest argument against realism in wrestling. You know what I mean? When people turn around to me and they're like, oh, well, don't say it to me. They just say it on Twitter or whatever. And I see the tweet. But like, <laughs> when, I see them, when I see tweets from people going like, oh, you know, wrestling needs to be realistic. There needs, it's a simulation of a fight. I'm like, you're not really though. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, I've never seen a fight where people fucking super kick their heads off and fucking did all sorts of flips and mad shit. But like, that's what this was. And it was one of my favorite. This is for me is, possibly my match of the year you know what i mean i love this there's so many different aspects of that i loved as well like the fucking um uh the what you call it the thumbtack <laughs> the thumbtack boot <laughs> again brandon cutler i have to give this is someone asking credit to as well him throwing the fucking boot into the it, over the top into the cage i'm like man i would have fucked that that would have taken me about 10 tries <laughs> and by the time i got it right the momentum of the match would have been on its arse like that, like that people do not realize that was skill right <laughs> but then uh obviously matt jackson takes it out shows us that it's a fucking boot with thumbtacks coming out of it i'm like oh shit that's that's another one of my like i love creativity with weapons i love like when people find something new and different that they can call their signature you know what i mean um and this is great i love i love the use of that i loved um i loved the, <laughs> the moment where they were all kind of super kicking each other and it was like one at a time you know what I mean we're all standing in like a kind of a a square type thing and they're like oh oh and then like they all knocked each other out and Matt Jackson was the last one standing and then like out of nowhere Phoenix like does the kip up and then super kicks Matt Jackson they're all down it's like oh shit um this That's is so mad. funny you, you mentioned that. That's the moment this match lost Phil. He yeah. was slowly <laughs> slowly coming around to the young books slowly and like we were uh-huh. loving this match we were really enjoying it i love watching him during young books matches because i can see <laughs> yeah, it i can I, it. I can see it. i can see him get slowly invested and i can see i can see him like sitting up and getting closer to the telly and i can see him appreciating what they're doing and then they'll do something like that spot 
and I can see him <laughs> deflate. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that was the spot that did it for him. <laughs> but would you rather watch the Young Bucks versus the Lucha Bros or Nick Aldis versus Trevor Murdoch? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> That's what I think when people always say, oh, you know, but the NWA and the realism and that makes no sense, the super kicks and all that. Yeah, it's dumb, but that's the point. <laughs> yeah, that, but that's what I said to him. I was like, you need to let go of this reverence for the super kick. It's dead. <laughs> like, <laughs> it doesn't exist anymore. But also, if you were to ask, you know, former NWA world number one contender, Phil Boyd, what he'd rather watch. <laughs> You know, yeah, it's going to be the Murdoch match. Yeah, you, you the, might get the Murdoch match. The reason, yeah. but the reason I ask that question is because if somebody has that mindset where it's like that's what they'd rather watch, and I'm like, right, so there is no meeting at the middle. Like, I, like, I love this. They hate it, and there is no, <laughs> there is no middle ground. Like that's just how it's going to be. Um, the match is just fucking great, man. I don't know what else to say, man. I just fucking fell in love with it. Like, um, it is, it is a very, it's a very me match. You know what I mean? Um, and God. Deadly. <laughs> What's next on the card? Let me let me open up my Google Chrome again, and we have <laughs> the the Casino Battle Royal. Yes. Um, and this was excellent because going in, I was like, well, the one thing, or the one thing I found really funny about this match, and I find it funny about every Casino Battle Royal, is um the awkwardness of the entrances, like when the suits come out. So somebody comes out, their music hits, and then it's like, but then they like stare somebody down or they do something in the ring that the commentators want to commentate on. So it's like, oh my god, here's Jay Cargill, look, she's staring down. But then somebody else's music hits. I'm like, oh, actually, uh, this is my Rose. There, there's my Rose. Oh, there's uh, Penelope Ford. Uh, 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 Anna Jay. Uh, no, look, Jay Cargill. Oh no, wait, there's Ty Conti. <laughs> <laughs> you know I mean? I, it's it's almost like a parody it's like something i did in one of my videos for a laugh but i really enjoy it i'm not complaining i do i enjoy it i think it's funny um but what i loved about this obviously was the fucking ending it's the big surprise at the end because i said that like in my predictions i said ruby soho is the heavy favorite and that's why she probably won't be the fucking wild card because more often than not there's like a favor going into these over like who you think the wild card is going to be and they usually just swerve you and go with somebody who's decent mm. but not who you kind of like expected it to be so i remember saying like oh, i think it's gonna be killer kelly I am so like, and I, I, like I'm a, I like Killer Kelly. It's not against Killer Kelly, but I'm so glad it wasn't her because I, if it was anybody other than Ruby, I think they would have been slaughtered. You know what I mean? Unless it was maybe AJ Lee. I think that would have got a fucking unbelievable pop. But like, oh. besides that, honestly, like the, it, it would have to have been Ruby. You know what I mean? The crowd were going crazy for Ruby. You know what I mean? Like they were right. And, and she did an excellent job of promoting herself in advance. You know what I mean? So everybody wanted it. And she also has history, as the commentators pointed out, in kind of the, the Midwest independence scene before WWE mm. and things like that as well. So everyone was buzzing to see Ruby Soho. Um, comes out massive pop no bullshit and this is what i like about aew um now obviously the ending there was, there was some swerves here and there but it was, it was for the better we'll get to that um but like when it comes to things like you know suzuki's appearance and ruby's appearance and obviously we talked about cm punk's appearance a couple of weeks ago keeping it simple you know what i mean like don't fuck it up don't overdo it you know what i mean this is perfect just have her come out win the match and have her moment and the fans are happy and she's happy you know what i mean it's just an all-around great moment and it was it was also well paced because it's like how do you kind of top the young brooks versus the lucha bros you know what i mean like it's it's a tough thing to do but having a big surprise like that that that'll have everyone you know in, in kind of a novelty type match you know that that's constantly got that's constantly moving that's constantly you know i mean pops here there and everywhere um yeah loved it i thought that was fucking i thought, <laughs> I thought that was great I'm, I'm delighted to see ruby i think AEW is the perfect place for both her and for AEW. you know what i mean i think it's a, mm. it's a good signing um then <laughs> we get into uh chris jericho versus mjf right and uh, I'll start with the, the entrances, right? Because MJF, <laughs> MJF, 
MJF's entrance, I knew I knew yes. exactly who it was. Like when the music came, but I was like, I still want to see it. I'm still this is still gonna make me laugh when it happens, and it yeah. fucking made me laugh. Where it's just like <laughs> countdown: three, two, one. Jericho's last match. Fucking perfect, man. Oh, it's brilliant. Everything about like MJF is just a fucking man. Honestly, like I love him so much. Then Chris Jericho comes out. What do you think of Jericho's entrance? Oh my god! I like that's what I tweeted about it was just as we'd all come around to a fuzzy song, they do a live performance to remind us that they're fucking air poison. <laughs> like how, it was like, awful. How did someone who helped write the song not know what the song <laughs> should sound like? That was my takeaway. But, like he was the guitarist for Fuzzy, and he did not know how to play Judas. Like but what they did was what they did was they like they oh they got it so wrong. He tried to do the the like the way he played it was like the way that it's sung. Do you know what I mean? Whereas it's like no, you're the person who plays this. Like just do it like you always do it, and just play the song that everyone knows, and the crowd will sing over it because that's why you're doing this. But they just made an absolute cock and balls. And imagine if fucking was Jericho's last match. Imagine, <laughs> That was the last chance you ever got to sing Judas before a match. And you're like, <laughs> they got literally the people who wrote it to play it and they fucked it up. <laughs> it was like Motorhead when they did Triple H's fucking thing and then L- Lemmy didn't know the words. So it was just like, it's all about the game and how you play it. It's all about the game and how you play it. It's all about the game and how you play it. It's all about the game and how you play it. <laughs> it's just like, why you, this is your song. <laughs> Oh, it was bad. <laughs> um, I but yeah, no, I actually, I look again going in. I wasn't, I wasn't overly excited about MJF versus Chris Jericho. Did, after after the after the Jericho matches that I've seen on the run up to it, I was kind of like, eh, don't really want to see it. But it's fucking a masterclass that they got me from like that mindset. Even when the as much as I enjoy the entrances, I'm kind of like, right, like it's a laugh. But I still don't really want to see this match. I'm still on the high of the Young Bucks and Lucha Bros. I'm not gonna lie. So I was kind of like, you know, like cool. We'll see where it takes us. I loved MJF resorting to being a luchador. I loved um, fucking, obviously, Wardlow interfering and Jake Hager coming out to make it save. Because uh, I like how, in the run-up to this, it wasn't Inner Circle versus Pinnacle anymore. It was just, like, yeah. they're still associated. There was no matchmatic breakup, you know what I mean? But they they all just maturely went on to do their own things. And now, obviously, they had that sort of bit of history there, that sort of callback of, like, right, Jake Hager's mm. going to be the neutralizer for Wardlow. I love that. But for me... Like the ending is the part that I fucking <laughs> that like that got me from like <laughs> like oh uh, you know whatever about this match to like come on <laughs> yeah so obviously MJF got pinned and I they got me so good with this when the, when the three count happened like this is how like in my head I'm like right this is how they do Jericho doesn't retire but MJF wins because then Jericho comes in and he's like well you didn't actually beat me like my foot was on the rope so I'm not retiring. Um, and obviously MJF doesn't lose to Chris Jericho, so I'm like, all right, cool. Um, but I was kind of like, ah, I don't know. I'm kind of like, Aubrey, you should be, should be catching that. <laughs> 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 like, I'm a bit disappointed now. You know, first Bryce lets me down. Now Aubrey, like, come on, you know what I mean? But then they did the part, the, the, oh, my favorite thing. You know what I mean? Where like the whoever it was, the assistant on the outside, they did the wrestling equivalent of VAR. And the, the lad comes up and you just see them whispering and it's like, you know, no, 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 his foot was on the rope, you know, his foot was on the rope and it's like, oh, oh, oh. 
and then they're like this match is being restarted i'm like yes let's fucking go and then like they're fighting back and forth i still don't know who's gonna win you know what i mean are they gonna was this just like a double swerve is, is mjf yeah. gonna get a proper win now because there is a chance of that like the fact yeah. as you said like on the pre-show where it was like you know this is jericho's last match in aew they, they did mention that in in the run-up so i'm like okay maybe they settled on that they're like okay he you know maybe he's gonna wrestle elsewhere i don't know but then uh <laughs> When Jericho has him in the walls of Jericho, I don't give a fuck how old he is. I'm proper screaming. I'm like, yes, tap you cunt, fucking tap. And then like, <laughs> it looks like he's gonna get the ropes. Like, oh no, it's proper. It's just a fuck. It's the basic shit. But he did it so well. I'm proper screaming. You know what I mean? And then when he drags him back into the middle, I'm like, come on. And then when he tap, finally taps, I'm fucking screaming. You know what I mean? It was, oh, it was deadly. I loved it. I really, really did love it. I thought it was fucking gas. Like, um, yeah. And which they got me invested in that. Um. Then MJF get- is so good. MJF is actually like he, but like what makes him good? Like when you watch this, like we talked about Jericho, like Jericho against Hubie a few weeks ago was depressing because of how like just passive the guys are. And that's Jericho when you put him with someone who's not as good as MJF. But MJF carried this match and he's so good. He's so crisp in the ring. But what he's, what makes him amazing is he reminds me a lot of the revival in that everything he's doing is mechanically amazing, but he also does it in a way where you never cheer for him or appreciate him. Do you know what I mean? He's got that down where like, he's so crisp and so good. And usually when we see someone that's that good at wrestling, we're like, I have to like him because you're just making me appreciate it. But he just, he just does everything perfectly as a heel so that you'll never like him. Um, and, and and he's able to get this match out of Jericho. So, like, he deserves to be credited because a lot of the talk about MJF goes into how good he is at promos or skits or little trolley things like the entrance. But we need to be talking about him as as one of the best wrestlers alive today. Um, and the only reason we're not is because he's an amazing heel, which is just, which just backs up the first point. So, uh, amazing stuff. But, but it's also, like, it's, it's not, like, he's a heel who gets legitimate heel reactions. Everybody's cheering yeah. for his opponent. And it's not a case of, like, oh, I'm going to go and be a bigot for Heath. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there's yeah. no... Or, like, I'm going to be boring as fuck for Heath. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's perfect. It's a master class. I, I fucking love MJF. And the fact that he's in his mid-20s is a joke. It's ridiculous. Amazing. The Gavin Bazunu of pro wrestling. <laughs> 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 um, but, yeah, I, like, for me, um, I love MJF, honestly. And, and I don't, I don't say about this a lot like I, I firmly believe that there's some people like a lot of people who like i feel like when you reach a certain age if you show somebody wrestling i, I think even if you show them the best wrestling in the world their brain isn't gonna get it they're never gonna appreciate it do you know what I mean? because they never watched it as a mm. kid or whatever but mjf is the sort of person who i actually genuinely would show to a non-wrestling fan like yeah I'd be like this is funny man like you know, like, <laughs> you know i mean like i know you're gonna hate this but like i think i watched i actually think i did watch uh i think my dad was in the room when he was on itv um and I came in and <laughs> my dad was like, oh, there's something wrong with the TV. I was like, what? And I turned around, there was wrestling on it. I was like, haha, very funny. <laughs> but um, I actually stayed around and watched the next like couple of minutes. And my dad was just like, what a prick. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, this, you know what I mean? Like, it, it, like, he can't watch wrestling. He thinks it's the fakest shit in the world. You know what I mean? But he, he, he was invested enough to say that MJF was a prick. You know what I mean? That's, that's a testament to how charismatic MJF is. Um, yeah. But yeah, love MJF. Then we get on to the, um, well, it's not the co-main event because there was a very important co-main event. So this is the uh, yeah. co-main event. No, look, it was just the eighth match of the night. Um, <laughs> CM Punk versus Darby Allen. CM Punk's return match in front of his home crowd. Um, it was very good. I, ver- I very much enjoyed this match. <laughs> and I enjoyed, okay. I enjoyed the coffin drop into um, CM Punk sitting <laughs> up. I thought that was very, very funny. 
<laughs> I said that on Twitter. I'm like, it only takes a wily veteran to know that the best way to avoid the coffin drop is to avoid the coffin drop. <laughs> it's like, it's just, no, I'm just not going to take your move. Like, it's genius. <laughs> um, I enjoyed the ending as well, where, like, because again, for me, like, because I going into this, I was like, right, Punk's gonna go on last and Punk's gonna win. But then when they changed it to Kenny Omega and Christian were going on last, obviously that meant that it was probably gonna be surprises. But yeah. um, it also meant that like perhaps Punk's gonna lose. Perhaps the story's gonna be that like he needs to build himself back up again. And it's not even an awful story to tell, considering that like he is you know a proper babyface at the minute, and everyone would be rooting for him to kind of go on that sort of tour of redemption or whatever. But this story of him, would, does he still have have it after seven years? Um, yeah, I enjoyed it. Hot take. Um, I I didn't. I wasn't mad about this match. Um, and and I'll be straight up here. And I wanted to like it. It's nothing to do with the fact that I am a bit. I'm not the CM Punk kind of. You know, I don't see him as as the the Christ reborn that a lot of people do. But like, I I just was confused by this match. And I get it in the end. Like the the point of this match was just reassuring us that CM Punk could still go. But here's the thing. Like. It's not like when Shawn Michaels came back to wrestling after years and started selling his back and we started to get genuinely concerned if his back was gone out again. It's not like when Daniel Bryan came back after it. Like, we've seen Punk in really athletic situations, like training for UFC fights and getting beaten up in UFC fights as well. We've seen him in those situations. So I always kind of assumed that Punk would be able to come back and wrestle. Do you know what I mean? Like, there was never that peril or doubt there because the reason he left wasn't to do with him physically being capable of wrestling. So... I also didn't like the formatting of this match. I thought it was confusing. Punk wrestled as a heel in this match. He did the heat and Derby like did the host spots and stuff like that. And I didn't get it because I'm like, like, first off, okay, like the port, like if the purpose of the match is can punk still wrestle, the solution for it and the psychology you want to, and the story you want to tell isn't um is like Derby is beating Punk up because Punk is like Derby is more like battle tested and Punk is gonna be rusty and stuff like that. And then you put Punk in peril and you have him be the natural baby face because he's the one that the crowd fucking want to see, you know what I mean? I think they thought they were putting Derby over there a bit, but the end result of it was kind of, it was a really long squash where Derby got like a bit of offense towards the end because Punk did the heat, Punk won cleanly, and it never really felt like Derby was going to win. So I don't feel that even if they meant to put Derby over by having Punk play the heel and have him be the baby face of the crowd cheer for I felt like it was just confused. I, I I didn't get the match or what they were going for. Don't get me wrong, the end sequence, it did get exciting and it left me wanting more CM Punk, which I guess objective achieved on that part. It's not that I hated it or thought it was a bad match, but I just, I went in with certain expectations and I felt that they answered a different question that I wasn't asking. Maybe that's just me. If you enjoyed it, I don't want to take that away from anyone. Um, but I didn't get it, if I'm being honest. Like, again, it was a perfectly well-wrestled match. Nobody did anything wrong. I'm not saying it's bad, but I just didn't get it. Oh, no, I see it completely differently. Like, when I, when, like, because when he left WWE, physically he was in bits, and he mentions that in the promo, and he mentions that in interviews, et cetera, et cetera. Um, then we see him go off to the UFC, and what happens? He gets fucking battered, you know what I mean? And then he comes back to wrestling after seven years. He's much older now, and we haven't seen him in seven years wrestle. I can't remember the last time I've seen somebody go seven years out wrestling. Shawn Michaels, I think, was four years, four and a half. Oh, yeah. Brian was considerably less than seven years as well. So for me, I don't know if I've ever seen a gap this long where somebody went without wrestling. I mean, like... Bret Hart, if you count that, 
I'd, I'd like to not count that. Um, <laughs> the but like for me, and then for him to come back then and batter Darby Allen in the way that he did, it's kind of like when you see a UFC fighter go come back after a long layoff and they knock their opponent out in the first round. Like, yeah, of course, I'm, I'm still CM Punk, you fucking idiot. You know what I mean? Like, the story was him being like, do I have it? Do I not have it? But then after it, it's like, fuck yeah, <laughs> have it. Like, I was so excited. Well, like, but Sean in the chat has a really good example, Edge, and also as well, the person in the main event, Christian. And like, it's not something that's actually new where these people are coming back. Now we're actually used to, because Edge and Christian have both done it themselves. We're used to seeing these people come back after huge layoffs and just being like, yeah, I'm literally just picking up where I left off. I've still got it. It's fine. <laughs> and to the point that I'm like, I, again, I don't know, maybe you just had that those doubts going in and that's okay if you did and then the match works for you. So that's fine. Again, I don't want to take that away from anyone around argued that anyone's wrong it's all perception but for me i was like yeah he's gonna be good he's cm punk he was always a good wrestler like he okay we did see him get bashed in the ufc he, he was never a good mma fighter that was never established but he was always a good wrestler and if you could physically train for the ufc then he's probably quite healthy and if he's had time for his injuries to heal and he never had like the career ending injuries that christian or edge did i know his body was in bits but like that's just kind of the wear and tear of being a wrestler and wrestling particularly his style ring of honor for so long um but like you know he, he didn't retire for health reasons he retired like because he hated wwe um so i, I went in and i'm like yeah of course you can wrestle so like give me a great wrestling match do you know what i mean don't just give me a match where you're just flexing your muscles and showing, oh, yeah, no, I've still got it. But, again, it's not the biggest thing because, again, I, I, I've every fate now. Now if I go into him against Kenny Omega or something, I'm like, yeah, this is going to be amazing because Punk is, Punk is the same as he was seven years ago, you know? So, I don't know. Maybe that's just me. The big question coming out with the Punk match, though, is did he win over Katie Harvey? That's the real question. Is it still yes. CM Punk or are we back in the CM Hunk era? Uh, Katie, <laughs> what's your thoughts on the match? I... Look, I always thought CM Punk was only a good wrestler as his opponent. I always found him someone who... <laughs> need, look, I know this sounds like a dick, but you know what I mean? Like, I... I, I thought like, hot takes. <laughs> <laughs> like, he is a good wrestler. Don't get me wrong, right? He is a good wrestler. But I feel like all his great matches were against opponents who were greater than him. I don't feel like he's ever taken anyone with the same amount of ability or less ability and brought them to a five-star match. Now, Ooh. you could throw some matches out there and I can be corrected, but for me, that's the kind of person he is. For me, it's very he's very much a feud person. You know what I mean? What, you're... Big, big matches and big moments came out of the heat of a feud. He's kind of like Bray Wyatt for me in that I love everything up until the bell rings. And mm. the magic only happens after the bell if the feud has brought me in. So and what you're basically saying is you preferred the co-main event, which was QT uh, <laughs> Marshall versus Big Show. <laughs> um, what did you say? Oh, we already discussed this, didn't we? None of us I watched didn't watch it. it. Yeah. None of us watched yeah. it. Okay, nah, fantastic. Um, main event, uh, Kenny Omega <laughs> versus Christian. Um, what did you think of Kenny Omega versus Christian? I like. I saw a lot of people saying I actually preferred the match they had on Rampage, and I kind of felt the same. There's a lot of bells and whistles, but I think I don't know. 
I think I'm just a bit immune to the Kenny Omega kind of does a plunder match. He does this a lot in impact, like I feel. Um, it's become like the new de facto Kenny Omega match where it's like it's gotta have like a hardcore element to it and stuff like that. And I'm like, dude, like you're the new Japan like six star Kazuchika Okada guy. You know what I mean? You're the guy who can wrestle better than anyone else. You don't need to do all the tables and the bells and whistles. You don't need to, and neither does Christian either. So for me, I actually kind of agree with the people who said the match itself i probably prefer the rampage one because even though there was like there was a chair in the finish and stuff like that and there was a bit of plunder it wasn't like this felt like they were overcompensating a little bit but i think with the talent involved with the guys with the match quality that we've seen them have already i don't think they needed to go all out like that um i think they just needed to have a great wrestling match that they're both capable of and i don't get why they made it into a hardcore match um i thought that took away from it and then kind of i felt that at the end kind of it, it it left space for a promo because it was almost unfulfilling so whereas sometimes you get a promo afterwards and you're like i just want to go to bed you've, you've given me all the wrestling i can handle like I'm not saying again. I'm not saying it was a bad match. I'm just saying that it was like I thought. I thought the other match they had was better. To be honest. Um. Yeah. Uh, Katie, what you think of it? I enjoyed it, <laughs> I, and I'm glad. And I'm glad it went on last. You know, rather than CM Punk and Darby Allen, I'm glad it went on last. Well, I, I think. I think we all knew something was happening at the end, though, and it kind of like it kept my interest all the way through because I knew something else was coming. You know that way. Uh, yeah, uh, well, I think it kind of something had to happen if it was going last, you know what I mean? Uh, for me, it's the same thing I said for weeks. Like, um, uh, it, it's similar to the, the rain scene match at SummerSlam. Sometimes you'll get a match like this where I just can't buy into the other person winning, you know what I mean? Like, and I said this before, like weeks ago, but they did, they obviously did an excellent job on Rampage then incorporating the Impact World title, and that was the match then, you know what I mean? That was the match where it could go either way. This match after Christian already beaten once, it was never going to happen again. Um, I really wish I was one of those people who thinks that like AEW have somehow buried Ad- Hangman Adam Page or whatever, because for me, it's like I really struggled to buy. Christian as like a legitimate contender for that title, especially after he'd already beaten beaten him once already with Hangman mm. sort of waiting in the wings. Like we I feel like we all feel like that's the destination. They could still swerve us, you don't know. But um I don't know, I, just, I couldn't, I just couldn't buy Christian winning this. And particularly again, with them going last as well, you know exactly what's gonna happen. So like in, mm. in the in you know what's gonna happen in the sense of like that's something something greater. There's gonna be a headline coming out of this and it's not gonna be the result of yeah. the match, you know what I mean? So um but you know, it was a good match. It was a good main event. I don't want to shit on it. Um, yeah. But the segment, the segment that came afterwards. <laughs> ah. Oh! This was fucking ah! excellent, man. This was fucking deadly, right? So obviously, Kenny. Wait, I'm trying to think what what even happened because I, I remember like like Jungle Boy was there. I can't remember how he got there. <laughs> oh, they're doing. Uh, a so the, the elite <laughs> came down and did a beat down. The Jurassic Express tried to make the save. Yeah, they tried to make the save. So there's a lot of bodies in the ring. But Kenny Omega and the Elite, they get the the upper hand and they're cutting a promo. And he's saying like, you know, no, I've beaten everybody. Nobody can beat me, et cetera, et cetera. Then the lights go out and everybody's like, oh, shit. Oh, <laughs> oh shit. Everybody's waiting. And it's Adam Cole. And this was actually done really well because yes. it it is a good signing. It's a signing that makes you go, oh, deadly, Adam Cole. But we're all kind of waiting for Daniel Bryan. There's a person that we're happy to see. There's a person we really want to see. You know what I mean? And they knew that. And they did that really, really well. Yeah. Adam Cole comes out. And there's even loads of tweets out of people going, I stayed up till four in the morning and see fucking Adam Cole. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I think, sure, I, I feel like surely everybody was, was was like hooked by this. You know what I mean? Like, I was hooked by it. Yeah. He comes down and I'm like, okay, we're going to get Adam versus Kenny. That sounds fairly intriguing. You know, I'm happy with it. 
I don't want to see Daniel Bryan. Well, it's fine. It's fine. It's all, it's all right. I didn't stay up to watch it live. So, I mean, I can just, I'm not, I sound like I'm going to bed at four and I, oh, whatever. Okay, cool. Um, and then he super kicks Jungle Boy. And it's like, okay, so he's joining the elite. Okay, that's an interesting one. Um, people are it makes so much sense, though, because he was, he was in the elite. He's one of the, like, consider that Adam Cole's entire uh, NXT career has, like, uh, like, began with him ending, like, finishing up on being the elite. You know what I mean? He died in being the elite, you know? Um, so he's always been a part of the elite, but we all forgot that. Like, we came down and we're like, oh, shit. But then it's like, oh, yeah, he's in the elite. Oh, shit. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, is he? Like, the last thing that I saw from Adam Cole, I could have sworn now, again, I wasn't always a Ring of Honor person or a New Japan person, but um, did he not get, like, kicked, get his head kicked in by the Young Bucks? Like, was he not, like, kicked out? Yeah, but like you know, when when they that. when they go back to yeah, do you know what I mean? Like you're not going to go back to the specific kind of you know yeah, like that always happens with Bullet Club and stuff like that. But like he was in the elite, and it's kind of like you know when he gets on the mic and he's like, these guys are like some of my best friends. It's like oh yeah, yeah, we should have known that. And also we know in real life they they are best friends too. So it's like right, fair enough. <laughs> but this is what made it great because I. It didn't make sense to me. So I was like, right, okay. he's super kicked Jungle Boy because he's fucking Adam Cole. He's probably going to be, you know, I'm not, you know, Mr. Super Duper Babyface. I'll do what I want. I'll super kick everyone. Do you know what I mean? So I thought when he was posing with uh, the Young Bucks, I was like, right, here we go. It's going to be like with Balor, you know what I mean? In NXT, he's going to just super kick them now out of nowhere. Yes. Clear the ring. And that's, that's what I was waiting for. You know what I mean? So I was like, right, here we go. And then all of a sudden, yeah. <laughs> da, 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 and everybody fucking erupts. And I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> They yeah. got me so good with this one. Holy fucking shit. Out walks Daniel Bryan. And it's the sort of moment where you do like, again, I hate staying up late for wrestling, but I do wish that I was in buskers for this here in those fucking pubs. Yeah. You know what I mean? That fucking, yeah. oh my God. And he walks out and it's like, oh my God, this is real. This is happening now. You know what I mean? It's one of those things where in your head, you mm. picture it. But it's not real until you see it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Daniel Bryan with the AEW logo. You know what I mean? It's like, it's happening. He's here. Walks down the ramp. And oh, man. Like, <laughs> I love this for, like, I just, I love this for so many different reasons, right? First of all, um, I love this because um, Adam, like, I saw somebody question. It wasn't like, you know, an uproar or anything. Like that. Just somebody asked the question, like, does bringing two people in, you know, does it like dilute the importance of, you know, are you, are you, you know, is it too many moments at once? No, this is excellent because first of all, you're not just doing hottest free agent, hottest free agent. I'm not a sports entertainer, I'm a wrestler, I'm not a sports entertainer, I'm a wrestler. You know, one after yeah. another after another. You're, you're, mate, you're immediately they're thrown into a storyline, they're thrown into an angle, they're doing something interesting. Adam Cole, I still think he will spit from the elite, but he won't do it straight away. Why do that now? You know what I mean? Make it interesting, do it like a few months down the line, you know what I mean? And then he can be a, a challenger or whatever down the line. Um, Daniel Bryan's now going to be scrapping with the elite. And, uh, oh, it's crazy. This is a man who's, like, one of the biggest stars in WWE of the modern era. You main evented WrestleMania this year. <laughs> As you pointed out earlier, this is a lad who turned around with Adam Cole and said, no, we love WWE. It's just better. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? This is, you know, we, we have a question coming up, so I don't want to, like, uh, you know, for Arsenal both, so I don't, I don't want to go into too much detail at the minute about comparing this to, you know, Hogan Hall, Nash and WCW or whatever in terms of like the statements that it makes. But this is an unbelievable statement. Not just that, but it was a banging show. And it was a show where, again, the crowd's going wild. The reviews are fucking mad positive following it. And like the future is just so bright, man. Honestly, like this is like, <laughs> I don't even know what to say. Katie, what do I say? <laughs> Katie, go for it. Your own thoughts. <laughs> like, it's it's hard to like add anything to that you know what i mean like it's 
it was a four hour show that held my attention for four hours. Like, yeah. when can you say that about a wrestling show in recent memory? Like you can't. And like the thing, I think the thing that made it stand out as well is like Phil doesn't follow AEW at all, right? He watched the entire four hours with me. And like he was held by the whole thing as well, you know? So it's like, it's it's going to capture the casual fans like Phil back in. It's going to like, mm-hmm. people are going to see the buzz and excitement and, and it's going to draw them back in. And it's just, it's so exciting. Like, and I was talking to Phil about like, about the, about the all the, all the, like, realistically what five new appearances on that show cole brian count punk ruby soho suzuki, suzuki. so we had, we yeah. basically had five new people and he was like oh is it not just going to get like wwe though where the roster's too big people aren't getting their screen time and i was like they have four AEW shows and i was like and they have the forbidden door and people would rather come to AEW and work a minor show than be in wwe in the main event right now like that is that is the atmosphere that's making people want to jump. You know, they're excited by the creativity and the freedom. And I was like, mm-hmm. I like literally this hasn't happened since the Monday Night Wars. It's such an exciting time to be a wrestling fan. And it's just, there's an actual like viable alternative to WWE now. You know what I mean? You, you can feel it like it, it, it's there. Like that was the arrival show that this is the alternative. It's fully set up. It's fully functional now. And it's just, yeah, I'm just, I'm just mad excited to be actually like watching wrestling again. I enjoyed, uh, I enjoyed the description of 17 year veteran and owner of a wrestling training school, Finn, Phil Boyd, as a casual fan. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, as a casual AEW fan. I know what you mean. Fan, I know what you mean. A, I, he'll, kill, he'll kill me listening back to this. A casual AEW fan. I know what you, I knew what you meant, though. Um, but, like, yeah, no, this is like, it's, it's mad. Like, this is a perception change for, for us. Like, to me, WWE seems like the small time show now. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, like, do you remember we were discussing a few weeks ago, Pete Dunne, if he'd moved to AEW and you're like, where would you fit him? Like, go be in WWE, be a big fish in a, wait, multi-billion dollar small pond. Like, it's <laughs> mad. Like, this is like this is what they've done. They've changed it now where, and, and I want to speak about this. We will speak more about the context of it in Assault Blows and so on. So I don't want to kind of ruin the question if someone's taking time to write in and ask. But like this was a, a seismic shift. You could feel it. You could see it. Joe was really nice. I watched it live and you could see on your timeline, it felt like the old days when wrestling Twitter first started and everyone stayed up for the shows. And it was just a buzz. And we felt we looked we liked wrestling then. Do you know what I mean? We all liked wrestling and we liked being fans. Um and like Twitter was like, yeah, you'd make jokes and you'd say if there was something shit, you'd say it and you'd have your little debates and discussions and stuff like that. But it wasn't that toxic kind of atmosphere you have. Now, I don't necessarily blame WWE for that. I feel like, like again, there, there is just a toxic atmosphere around WWE and it's not necessarily all their responsibility. But your my timeline is toxic during a WWE show. It's it's so positive and it's so like giving during an AEW show. Um, and it was really fun to be a part of. There's people that I haven't like seen on 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 Twitter. There's people that I didn't even know were wrestling fans until I saw they were staying up for all out on Saturday on Sunday and tweeting about it. Um, and like just getting to talk to them and getting them back engaged, like it's just it's so nice, it's so good, it's so exciting, and like. Again, we can think and make predictions and stuff like that and be like, are AEW going to put WWE out of business? Is this going to happen? Is that going to happen? Here's the thing. We don't know. It's just exciting and we get to watch it all play out week to week. Um, 
So yeah, I know, and I know kind of there was some criticism that I have at the show. Um, but no, I loved every second of this. It was such a fun Sunday night as a wrestling fan because I didn't feel like I was a person watching wrestling to review it and discuss it for a podcast. I felt like I was a pure fan on Sunday. And that like is what AEW has and it has for so many people. Um, and a lot of people are saying, you know, wrestling's back and this and that. AW is back. AW is here. And AW has like kind of taken up everything that is kind of like all the momentum that was building like across the world. AW has kind of swallowed all of that and done it. But that is what was needed to actually create a viable competitor for WWE. And they've got there. Amazing, amazing work from all involved. And I'm buzzing dynamite tonight. I want to stay up late and watch it. I won't because I'm at work tomorrow, but I'd love to. And that's where I'm at with AEW right now. I'm a fan again. And, and thank you for that, guys. Um, Amazing stuff. What I want to ask is, where does this kind of rank? Is it in the WrestleMania 17 zone? Where do you kind of rank this in the pantheon of great wrestling shows? I'm not saying, like, give a ranking, but, like, just the general context yourselves in terms of your, your own kind of rankings or feelings about that. Um, I don't know. Like I'd have to, I'd, I'd, like I've watched so many pay-per-views. I'd have to go back and I, I actually intend on doing that one day. Like when I have the time, I'm going to go back to every wrestling show that I've watched. Like, not, not like, you know, raw episode 4,703. Yeah. I mean like, you know, the pay-per-views <laughs> and I'm going to be, um, I'm going to say, you know, like, I, I want to see where, where they all rank. I'd imagine this would be high enough. I mean, again, it's uh, it's just it's just deadly. All the surprises, all the fucking... Like, I had a whole group chat of people who were upstaying to watch that, that, like, yeah. you know, were talking to me, you know, months prior about how much they hated wrestling, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, hadn't stayed up for a live event in, in forever. So, yeah, it's a big deal. Um, wasn't as good as Raw. The tag team turmoil is pretty solid. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> We we put the over under on uh, on forty minutes. We just beat it forty two minutes. Um, so you got there in the end. Yeah. Um, so really good stuff, uh, guys. I think that's all we have. Like I said, we're gonna have Aslo blows. We've got more AW chatter there where we're talking more bigger picture stuff. So tune in for that anyway. We'll be back Friday. We have some randomness as well coming up. Uh, in the meantime, though, that is all we have for this week. Aslo blows on Friday. We'll be back next week discussing uh, WWE's return to Madison Square Garden. Can WWE fire back? They really need to do something. Um, so let's see what they uh, have got in their bag because it's exciting times indeed. Uh, but in the meantime, that is all we have for this week. Uh, thanks for listening as always but until next week for Katie Harvey for Corporate Keen over Rick Nash and that's the bottom line because Lobo said so